0: It's Fully Threaded Radio, episode 192. If the car companies go on strike for an extended period of time, there's going to be no inventory of new cars, which means there's going to be no inventory of used cars, which means next year at this time when you and I get on the phone, I'm going to be driving a car with 240,000 miles on it.
1: (laughs) Let's hope that the reps continue to be able to take that to another level, and uh, we'll see. M.W., it's had its ups and downs. There are companies that have been good for them, and companies that, quite frankly, have uh, gone the the opposite way. So, right, uh, we'll see what happens.
2: I am expecting things to get a little choppy again first half of next year. Recession's we talk about them as they're you know the boogeyman, but <laughs> I think they're pretty natural things. They serve a purpose. They get things to kind of reset. Frankly. The only way that we are going to avoid all the pain of long-term inflation is actually to trigger a recession, in my opinion. And my personal opinion is when we get into 25, we've got uh, lots of uh, room and runway ahead of us, uh, potentially for the rest of the the decade. So what I'm telling my team through the budgeting process and through team meetings is...
3: Time for fully threaded radio.
4: It is fully threaded radio, voice of the FCH Sourcing Network. If you buy, sell, manufacture, import threaded fasteners, or you're focused on the industry for some other reason, well, you're in the right place. So glad you're here, folks. Eric Dudas with you, and the co-host of Fully Threaded Radio is with us as well. Father of the legendary FCH Scrubber Software, he's Brian Musker.
5: Hey, Brian. You doing all right? I'm doing great, actually. And I'm immersed in setting my own standards for things that seem to be nearly impossible to define, like shoulder bolts. And um, the scrubber is learning lots at the moment.
4: Yes, it's a never-ending battle that you (laughs) fight, (laughs) especially these days as we've got all these scrubber projects coming And I tell you, that's turned into a huge part of our operation over here, and it's keeping us pretty focused on fasteners ourselves. It is very... (laughs) Very fast and centric around here. Thanks again for joining us today, folks. This is episode 192 of the Fully Threaded Radio Podcast. We're publishing this time on September 20th, 2023. And i tell you, this one going into the Vegas show, which is right around the corner, it's about as packed of a episode as we've had. And so, therefore, we're going to have limited Brian and Eric prattle on this one. And when you hear this lineup, you'll understand why. We're going to kick things off with a conversation with Don, the amazing Shan. (laughs) He's got lots of solutions, as everyone knows. But these days, he's also got an S problem.
5: (laughs) Yeah, like the good old FCH in a different way. Fasteners, fastener's clearinghouse with an S. (laughs) That's
4: an albatross we've been carrying since well, we got this thing going. But anyway, ran into Don at the Screw Open, the NCFA golf event, and yeah, I said, man, you got to get on here and tell everyone what you're doing these days. So that's how we'll start off today. Now, on the Fastener News Report, this time, Mike McNulty once again steals the show with a powerhouse conversation with Endry's CEO, Michael Knight. And they're going to pour over the shocking August FDI numbers. And I'll tell you, if you've been zoning out in a days of pessimism lately with all the crappy FDI readings, <laughs> well, <laughs> right. well, this report's going to refocus and energize you. So don't miss it. And Michael Knight is absolutely has to be one of the strongest FDI analysts, guest analysts we've had. You'll learn a lot all the way around on this one. Plus, McNulty's got a wonderful back page report. Now, heading into the news, we'll hear from Kerr Lakeside boss Charlie Kerr. Now, he's always dropping news on us, and this time he muscled his way into a cameo appearance to give us his impression of the UAW strike that just kicked off this week.
5: And as usual, Charlie's got his own unique take on that. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear what he thinks of the 32 hours for 40 plus this uh, increase.
4: (laughs) Well, I really had to rein him in on this one. As you know, he could have gone on for a long time, but uh, you'll get his spin on the feature segment today. Chris Kolb and Brian Oliveira of Patriot Bolt join us. It's possible they're a duo you're not familiar with. Well, they're Texas-based specialty manufacturer, and they recently launched a new podcast. It's called Bolts and Hose. (laughs) And before you get any ideas, they are actually in the hose business. So (laughs) these guys are a lot of fun, and you'll get to meet them on the episode today. Oh, if all that isn't enough, Carmen Virtulo's got the fastener training minute. Joining him for part three of his series on tapping, he's got George Munos of Ababa Bolt.
5: Oh, really? Okay,
4: long time old friends, those are. <laughs> Ababa has been on the FCH network for many years, and I'm not sure if Carmen is wrapping up the series or if he's got one more after this, but if you followed along so far, this is the third installment. So all that stuff is, I don't even know how long this one's going to be, Bri, but fans of
5: the shorter versions of our podcast are going to be disappointed. And <laughs> so really, so Bob bear's is going to have it on double speed play to get through it then. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right on that. He's <laughs> Captain Efficiency,
4: isn't he? Alright. <laughs> so moving things right along, we'll hat tip all of our partners for this episode. We've got a final list of them. And, Brian, that's your department.
5: Oh, yeah, it is. The title sponsors are Fully Threaded Radio, Brighton Best International, Gerbil Fasteners, and Star Stainless Screw Company. Brighton Best International, tested, tried, and true. Gerbil Fasteners, quality the first time. Star Stainless Screw Company, right off the shelf. Also sponsoring fully Threaded Radio are Buckeye Fasteners, BTM Manufacturing, Eurolink Fastener Supply Service, InSequel Software, JLAN Franco, Parker Fasteners, 3Q Inc., Vault Industrial Plastics, Worth Industry North America, and Solution Industries, home of Solution Man. So think of these sponsors next time you're trying to find some fasteners, okay? Think of them first. Reach out to us anytime,
4: folks. The email address is ftr at fullythreaded.com. We welcome your comments. And boy, we've gotten a few <laughs> really unexpected ones lately. So, uh, you know, they're, they're all welcome.
5: Well, if they say that the podcast is too long, they're definitely going to be disappointed then.
4: People don't usually chime in about that particular comment you know but that we usually get that at the shows or you
5: know when we bump into people and it's actually very split fairly evenly between people who sort of listen to fully threaded on a flight and they actually could have it go on longer and others who are on a shorter drives and they need it to be shorter it's sort of a it's across the board well, there's no
4: doubt that it's a TikTok minded world in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're still doing long form interview style stuff and talk radio formatted stuff. And there's room for that shorter format. And we keep threatening about it. Hey, we talk about this a little bit when we get with Chris and Bryce later in the episode. So we won't spend too much time on the inside baseball aspect of it right here. But since we do have a long episode today, why don't we get things going at this point and <laughs> get rid of the predominantly part and go straight into fasteners? Exactly. <laughs> Thanks again for clicking in, everyone. It's fully threaded
5: radio.
0: Brian and Eric, your online fastener talk radio brothers and
6: thread fully threaded radio.
3: At Brighton Best, we continue to expand our product offerings to better meet the requirements. In addition to BBI's expanding stainless steel fasteners, Brighton Best International is now offering a wide selection of hose clamps, silicon bronze, and brass fasteners, available in all regional locations. Visit the BBI website to view the educational hose clamp video, now available on the BBI homepage. Tested, tried, and true. We are Brighton Best International.
7: Gerbil Fasteners increases efforts to
4: maintain its reputation as the leading rivet source with a large inventory of parts and expedited delivery options. We have over $10 million worth of global
0: inventory at stock at all times and pride ourselves on same-day or next-day shipping options that are available to all our customers.
7: Gerbil Fasteners, the leading rivet source. Stainless Stand here, coming to you from Star Stainless. Star quality is more than products, just the way Wayne wanted it to be. It's simple. We're Star.
8: Hey, this is Matthew Boyd, Forging the Future at Parker Fasteners out of Buckeye,
9: Arizona, and you're listening to Brian and Eric on Fully Threaded Radio.
4: Brian and Eric, your online fastener amigos, back with you. Well, fans of old Rusty Bolt beer are going to be very happy, Bri. Good. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Ran into Tony Martinez of Buckeye Fasteners. A lot of people I ran into at the NCFA golf outing. Anyway, he was really happy because they just inked the deal to get some kegs out on the show floor at IFE this year. So what do you know?
5: Oh, nice.
4: Have something to wash down all those Vegemite crackers you're going to be handing out, right?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would help actually and very appropriate. <laughs> I guess it makes sense that people would
4: wash down Vegemite with beer. I mean, isn't Vegemite actually a beer byproduct?
5: Uh, some kind of a yeast thing, right? Yeah, it is. That's a it's a byproduct of the all the, uh, I don't know what the tailings, I guess they call them, I've forgotten what they call them, the stuff you cook up to actually get the alcohol out. Yeast slag, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> it, it just, I don't know. I don't think any description is actually it makes it sound that good. So it's bit... That's because it isn't bray. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. <laughs> In, this per- In this case, you can make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. <laughs> All right, so we'll set that
4: aside for a moment. What kind of crackers did Lynn get for this year? Do we not know yet? We we do not know yet, okay? All right, that's booth 1066 this year, folks. It's the FCH Sourcing Network, and of course, we're talking about the International Fastener Expo, Buckeye Fasteners, as usual. Man, they've got an all-new booth. Actually, a lot of our partners are going to be there in really sharp-looking booths, a lot of good handouts. If Linfast Group is anything like Fastener Fair, the padding under the carpet is going to be, it'll be like walking on a cloud when you go for your Stellfest monkey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm trying to do too much at once here, Bri. The point is, <laughs> Ife's coming up. Buckeye will be there with the old Rusty Bolt. And good. let's see, October 9th through the 10th, Mandalay Bay, right, Bri?
5: Yeah, it is. Yep. It'll be good. Can't wait to get there, actually. All kinds of excitement going
4: on this year. We won't go into too much of it on this episode because we've got so much else going on. But yeah, a few big headlines we'll be covering on the next podcast. Yes, <laughs> there will be. So again, FCH is in 1066. Now, originally... I was thinking we were going to do a much different thing this year and you were supposed to be in Australia. I was yeah. going to just pop in for a day. We weren't going to have a booth. Then things changed. So as it turns out we're not going to have our full booth. You know, with the lights and everything. We're going back to old school, which is the banner and also very modest for us but full supply of Vegemite, right?
5: Yeah, that was I covered that when I we went over to Australia in some um, February. Now are you taking
4: Marco Rodriguez's idea from last time, (laughs) are you going to do these recordings of
5: the initial reaction once a a newbie (laughs) sinks their teeth into this? (laughs) Yeah, Marcos. he's convinced that we should film this and and film, not this, the various people uh, tasting it, because he thinks the whole facial part of it should be really interesting. we We did this a
4: few years back. We had some fun with it, but yeah. He was actually envisioning something more elaborate. Anyway, we'll work something out. Lynn's going to be prancing around with her mic. And if you're there, folks, and you see here, don't be shy. Get yourself on the next episode, potentially. Yeah, right. She always does a fine job of gathering all that up
5: for us. Persevering, should we say, through some of the people who always have another excuse for why they can't be recorded. (laughs) Yeah. Based on the welcome bash, you'd
4: never realize how many shy people we have in this industry.
5: Yeah, no, (laughs) this is
4: true. Of course, going into this year's welcome bash will be the golf tournament again. And that was sold out quite a while ago. Looking forward to seeing who's coming out on top on that. Now, oh, another headline to drop in here. I mentioned this NCFA screw open a couple times already. Well, this year's FTR winner, was Gary Graham of BoltsAndNuts.com.
5: Oh, cool.
4: So congratulations for your crappy play this year, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> he would just smile, I would think. I think he might have gone out of his way to pick it up this year. You know, <laughs> At a certain point in the game, they just sort of uh, throw it all away. Anyway, we all have a lot of fun with that. It's not serious. It's all fun. Yeah, it is. And it's been fun. It's been going on for a fair while, actually. And when we're not doing that, we're not doing scrubber projects. What we do do is the FCH Sourcing Network, fastenersclearinghouse.com. Correct. Get out there anytime you need to find a hard to find part or something's out of stock, or maybe you're even shopping vendors. FCH is a great place to pick up some potential new sources. Free to search and source FCH Sourcing Network. Most of you know that. Thank you for using it, by the way, and the partners who bring you the podcast. Well, let's just say they're supporting the platform, too, because uh, it's all one big thing for us. And this episode's one big thing, so we're going to jump right into this conversation with Don the Amazing Shan. Yes. Had a lot of fun with this one. Most of you know the backstory with Don. Of course, he's a former partner of Solution Industries. He and co-founder John split a few years ago before John finally sold it off to LinFast. But Don is hugely knowledgeable, particularly in the Midwest, but he knows people all over this industry. He's been doing it for many, many years, knows a lot of the tricks of the trade. So let's hear what his latest endeavor is all about. And Don, the amazing Shan is back with us. Hey, brother.
1: Hey, how are you? (laughs)
4: We're good. Thank you.
1: <laughs> How's Thanks. things? Holy 190-some episodes. We're getting there. Yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, well, things are good. Things are good. And uh, we covered a little bit of that when we saw you the other day out there at the Screw Open, the NCFA event. Yes. Glad to see you there, man.
1: Yeah, yeah it was much better than the 120-degree heat index <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> it Ooh. was two completely different things. Yeah.
5: Right. Well, that's very unusual for Chicago.
1: <laughs> that wasn't even enjoyable.
4: No. I heard that was brutal. And, of course, the NCFA event typically gets rained on, but this year it was just about as perfect as you could get, and you were out there. Who, who were you shooting with this time?
1: I was, I was with uh, Andrew Nagy from uh, Solution. I was with Morgan Rudolph, part of the Rudolph team and the, oh, yeah. the yep. reps in uh, Boston, New England area. And the last guy was a friend of Morgan's.
4: And you guys did not take home the FTR award. Come on. I knew you were in no, the no. running.
1: Well, no, I, I, that was one of our goals at the beginning. We said, whatever we do, we're going to cheat. We're not going to take that thing home this year. I think I think I still have the 30-pack sitting on my back deck from when I wanted the one year. That would be 10 years ago. Oh, boy.
5: Good. Well, I wouldn't try and open any of it, okay? It's already <laughs> Beechwood aged to begin with. God. Yeah, right. <laughs>
4: yeah, it doesn't. Go. It doesn't need any more aging past today or so. Well, it was a fun day. Was any business whatsoever accomplished out there this time?
1: We had a lot of fun. I mean, I I, I was surprised at uh, after the golf that everybody sat around and ate their ribs and whatever whatever food that was there, and uh, it left so fast. It emptied out in a half an hour. It, I, back in the day, I, I, I can remember two, three hours of mingling and kind of networking a little bit. And I was surprised how everybody left real quick.
4: Well, the mojo wasn't there necessarily in that after party, you're right, Don, but uh, it was definitely out there on the course. And, you know, nothing you can do about that. But uh, Dave Audia, as usual, did a fantastic job as the, what do they call it? The event chairman you know he's never going to be able to walk away from that even though he's not the president mike robinson is these days and the whole ncfa board i think did a admirable job as usual and uh actually it was gary graham with what is it bolts and nuts.com yeah. or nuts and bolts what is it
1: it's nuts and bolts i believe one of the yeah. two well
4: they're doing really well but not in the golf department <laughs> <laughs> Well, what was the scuttlebutt out there, Don? Come on. You know, there's usually a theme at these things that emerges. And what were you hearing out there while you were mingling?
1: Well, not for me. I had a couple couple customers doing some expedites, uh, which is unusual. Um, you know, I had, uh, hadn't had seen a lot of people in a while. So um, it was a little bit of catch-up for me. Some, some of them guys I haven't seen in 30 years. Wow. And uh, either they're back in the business or back in the industry or or with a different, uh, company this time. And, uh, um, it was good to see him. I haven't seen a lot of people there. So for me, it was, uh, here I am, here's what I'm doing now type of thing. And it's more of a setup kind of thing for me. So it's, they got to know him back in the business, uh, and, you know, give me a call later and we'll, we'll go over some of the details. So, uh, that's basically what it was for me.
4: Right. And you were on the show. Oh, geez. I should have looked this up before, but we were talking with you, what was it, a year back or so? And you were really making your initial re-entry. This, of course, is after your hiatus from After Solution Industries. And I think most listeners are familiar with that whole story. And then you were doing that for a while. You're doing something different now, which we'll get into in a second. But these kinds of events are just fantastic for that. Who did you run into that you hadn't seen in a long time?
1: Well, you know, uh, I was walking by a cart and uh, some gentleman gives the old... Hey, it's a Service Bolt and Nut guy. And I went, you know, I started with Service Bolt and Nut back in the <laughs> 70s. And I, and I, no one knows me from Service Bolt. If it, if they do, it's somebody that's been doing this for a long time. And here was a gentleman named Bob Hetzel, and he was, he's, he's doing some work with Parker fasteners now. And, uh, uh, it was really, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised I recognized him, uh, and for one, and I'm surprised I, I remembered his name. So, some things are it's just really kind of different. you don't get to I do a lot of road work and a lot of phone work, and a lot of the phone work I do you sometimes you never get to meet these guys so it's them outings or or that one in particular is always fun because it's pretty local and you do get get some attendees from the from the chicago the Chicago group, so that's always fun so yeah, a lot of the north coast or the the north coast people a lot of them don't get to Chicago so it's kind of like a different crowd, just like every one of them would be across the country. Good great. to see them all.
5: Yeah, it is. And the North Coast is sort of known for being such a great group of people, as we noticed when we first, I guess, Marty brought us over there originally, early, early on. We just found there just, a, it's amazing you can have so many people who can be so friendly, and basically most of them are in competition. <laughs>
1: I don't know if other industries are similar to that or not, but that always made me laugh. It was kind of like you're trying to kill each other all day long, and then (laughs) we go have a beer. All (laughs) Right. It's kind of weird.
5: (laughs) But good.
4: Well, from the comments I've heard over the years, and you hear this a lot, but people marvel. They remark about the uniqueness of the fastener industry in that way. So we have a lot to be thankful for in that department. Now, you're a guy who is widely known as somebody who always has his ear to the ground. You get these stories way before anybody else. You know, you're always sitting on something, and uh, <laughs> this whole big story that just broke with uh, MW and Elgin, that was probably the worst-kept secret in the industry. You know, that one wasn't, you know, a huge surprise, but uh, what do you make of all that?
1: Well, it it is really kind of funny because I did get a call like a good month ahead of this, and... uh Everybody was waiting for it to drop, so um, it took a while to become official. I think they looked at them a a while ago, but I don't know what to look at it. I hope Elgin has done a a fabulous job, in my mind, on marketing themselves recently, probably over the last year. And uh, they took on reps across the country, and I hope that uh, for their sake that they continue to use reps. When When these things happen, sometimes... Sometimes the reps are the first to go, and um, I think the reps that they have hired um, are the top level reps. And you know, I hope that they uh, are able to stay on and uh, help grow Elgin. And they're they're pretty diverse now. I mean, they're just, they're just, they got almost every product group covered. Um, I just don't know how. It will probably let run by itself for a while, but I just hope that they continue to provide value and not get caught up into a numbers game because that will that destroys everything in my mind you gotta you get the customer service the best companies are customer service companies and uh they were in my mind they have gotten a lot better uh with that with the ways they've been promoting the company and uh even word of the mouth on the street so let's hope that they the reps continue to to be able to take that to another level and uh we'll see mw has had its ups and downs There are companies that have been good for them and companies that, quite frankly, have uh, gone the the opposite way. So uh, we'll see what happens.
4: Yeah, I think we can easily pick out a couple of examples of companies that had a little difficulty. Let's hope Elgin is one that goes the right direction, shall we say. So, yep. what do you think is is the biggest strength of Elgin right now aside from its customer service and solid group of reps they're using? I mean, uh, what no. what is it what is it that MW in, in your guess is is looking for with this acquisition?
1: Well, they're they have diversity of product. They they can they can do a full range of different products within the, the what are it five companies that they have six companies so they can do everything from the long bolt to the uh, special screw machine run so it adds to their portfolio i, I don't it, you know these guys get bigger and bigger you know what's the next number that they they sell the whole package to um, you just guys that have all these all these big accounts I, I don't know i don't know if i'm a big believer in it myself but especially for the industry i think the industry our industry is so unique to itself, and it's a it's, uh, people-buy-from-people type of industry, and I hope it remains that way and they don't get caught up in the rhetoric of, you know, paper and numbers. They, when they, they buy these big companies, it, it all, these guys turn into numbers, not even human beings. It's a little frustrating.
4: Well, it's a very true observation, Don. I don't know if it's the way the world is going, but yeah, we I guess we're at heart traditionalists you could say.
1: <laughs> yeah, well there there must be some value, stock value, um of them larger, larger people just getting bigger and bigger, but I like to think that the the old ways were a lot more uh more fun, to be quite honest.
4: You own any Berkshire Hathaway stock, Don? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. they're gonna own the world anyway. If it's not uh, Amazon's gonna buy this whole thing anyway.
4: (laughs) Yeah, one of those guys.
1: Yeah, right.
4: Well, right now you own your own thing. You're captain of your own ship. And so let's rewind a couple of months back. Okay, so we're looking at Shan Fastener. Oh no, yeah, it was Fastener with no S.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly right.
4: Right, you're back into this S conundrum though with what
1: you're doing now, right? (laughs) Exactly right. I was gonna mention that to you because we talked about it last time. And you know the funny part about it is um it said Shan Fastener and then when I look we had talked about it on the last show. And um I'm sure there's not an S on there and I was positive there wasn't. And when I looked at my articles in corporation, there was an S on there. <laughs> Which I oh my God, I can't believe it.
4: Oh, we're caught in this nightmare. Now, but it gets even better because what are you doing now? What are you calling it?
1: It's Fastener Solutions Group. So no, uh, no, no plural on Fastener, but a plural on Solutions.
4: Yeah, we got a, a double whammy because now it's Solutions <laughs> and the old solution was solution with no S. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly right. What are you doing <laughs> to yourself, man?
1: Yep. All
4: right, tell us about it.
1: All right, well, it's the same kind of concept that uh, the, the, uh, the area I was in last time. So um, we only have a little bit of a twist to it because we have uh, we do all our secondary process work as far as uh, machine shop work in house. So three or four uh, turret lays, a uh, couple of lays, cut off machines, drillers. So all them things will not be farmed out uh, because it's on under one roof. So it's it cuts more costs out of the out of the product. And it, we're, what we chase is the relationship that some of these larger distributors have and um, we're looking for a, a partnership kind of aspect. It's the same kind of thing we did last time. I think But the, the, uh, the, the difference being right now is a lot of people our competition now can do one thing well, and maybe not the next. And uh, they, they don't have access to the material we have access to. So uh, we, we can be a high driven customer service company uh, because we have access to that material. So that, that is the the big thing for us, and being located in, in Cleveland in this area is loaded, as we already know, with platers. We have plating companies, electroplaters, mechanical valves, organic coatings, the magnets of the world. And the Industries is twenty minutes from us, we, so our ability to be able to make these secondary process work without freight charges that would have to be added into every distributor. Even if you did this type of work in another in another place, it's still tough. Saving freight alone in this uh, market is a, a real plus for us, and then having the ability to to do all the secondary process work, as far as machining is concerned, uh, is puts us apart from any of the uh, the guys at our competition. So, I mean, I would if you'd have asked me ten years ago if I was going to be, I used to start communication meetings in my former life with a simple explanation of. What would you do if you had to compete with yourself? And <laughs> it, it, it's, I never thought it would come to this, but I knew where all the loopholes were. You know, I, I created the recipe. I know how you can get beaten if you continue can close them loopholes, um, you're gonna you're gonna be in a good shape for it. So if I look at I look at a uh, somebody I put myself in a customer's shoes and and I wonder what what I can do or what I would like to do. So you always want to have as a customer have a go to guy, and then you could use a phrase of you know you're only as good as your vendor base, and that is so true for every one of these distributors well, using us now as a solid vendor for you is a plus all the way around i mean they they can eliminate uh they can consolidate vendors they can use us solely for secondary process and machining you know it's it's just incredible how the list of value added is better utilizing Faster solutions group than it would be any other people that are in in our pool put it that way
4: i like how you said you know all the loopholes you know you're known as the amazing shan for a reason <laughs> <Don>. <laughs>
1: yeah so here's this what's happening this is how it happens they give you an we quote four weeks they give you an order two weeks later and they need the parts in two weeks so the question always is uh come on Pull your magic wand out. Get something done. So it seems like all the time, as soon as we get an order, it's late.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Give us another example of a loophole that you get it through or get around.
1: (laughs) Well, there's always break-in charges and there's always little little things you could do that way. But we sell the vendor as much as we do the customer. It's important for us to be at these events. It's important for us to make sure that the vendor base understands the concept and what we're trying to do. So we're not trying to steal their business; we're just trying to enhance their business. It makes it all work as if we work as a team. From our, if our customer gives us the communication and the process that we require, that will help everybody all the way around. We're only going to complete the circle in a communications process. So. We'll be so much more better. I'm, it's easier for me if I can call a George Hunt to the world and say, George, I need a favor. And he knows who I am and he knows where we've been and he knows, understands what we're trying to do. Oh, you've
4: met? Yeah, <laughs> once or twice. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> so it's it's comical how if, if they know you and it's a people versus people or people will help people concept, they're going to help you out. Right. Nine times out of ten, they're going to help you out.
4: So it's almost as though you're working magic with transparency It's kind of like an oxymoron but it's true
1: <laughs> part of the sales call is the ability to be transparent in everything that we do so that we bring we, we will bring value to a distributor and he will always know what we're doing or where we're going so transparency is always a big thing for us the other thing, other thing we have that's different and and it's always been a uh, um, a good, Portion of what we do is the build to be flexible. Flexibility is is huge in what we've done or what we can do to grow. Um, most of the people that are our competitors are rigid, and for obvious reasons, uh, they've gotten big enough where they'll throw minimums on on people to, just to make it stream better because of what's in their their needs. But for for what we do, the build to be flexible. And uh, moving product and adjusting deliveries is a lot easier when the machine you're running that part on is in your backyard. So you don't have to worry about calling a guy and saying, "Hey, I need to expedite or move this because you can move it yourself." That's that's one thing. And the the ability to be flexible on minimums and and uh, creativity on what we can do with minimums and and uh, we can almost streamline a whole pilot program for each individual distributor. Distributors all run differently, and but they're all after the same thing. They're all after uh, quality. They're all after uh, good customer service. And for what we do, it's the 20% of the junk that they don't want to do. So right, right. 80% of it's easy, but the rest of it is having us as a weapon for them as a vendor is almost a must nowadays.
4: Well, you know the game and I remember actually the first time we met. This was going back. What do you think, Bry? Oh seven, oh eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah a it
5: long was in Chicago. Yeah,
4: yeah, it was It was definitely in a bar. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> the second time we met, I, I think uh, Marty brought us over to the uh, facility over there in Brook Park. You guys were pretty small at that point.
1: Yeah, in a garage.
4: Yeah, and 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 you were having one of your brainstorming sessions and I remarked even at that time how how forward-thinking, creative thinking you were. You were really kicking all the ideas around, anything was on the table and well, it's turned out that it was a winning formula and now you're taking it to the next level.
1: Yeah, only only knowing the recipes and knowing uh the mistakes. Talk about learning by your mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, definitely have done many of them from product lines to to. Uh, we better get out of this business quickly. Yeah.
4: Hey, when we both retire, you know, quote unquote, can we yeah. do a can we do a segment on that yeah. on that topic?
1: <laughs> yeah, really. Not before yeah. though, right?
4: Yeah. Thing things we'll never do again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
4: Episode five hundred.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: well it's good to hear from you again Don and of course I can't let you get out of here without telling folks how they get a hold of you because I think after this little drop they're going to want to
1: I would hope it's Fastener Solutions Group Um, you can reach me at my email which is dshan at com. so no plural on the fastener plural on the solutionsgroup.com
4: that's solutions with an S everybody
1: that's right (laughs)
5: And that bloody ending S. I've been dogged <laughs> with that for 16 years. All right, Don.
4: We'll have you back again soon to take your temperature on all this. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, no problem. Okay, mate. Keep well, okay? It's the Amazing Shan. It's Fully Threaded.
5: radio. Right
10: Hey,
1: Sport. You
10: don't look so good. Man, all this walking at the fastener show is wearing me out. I don't know if I can keep going. I think I
1: have just a thing to help you out, son. Have you ever heard of old Rusty Bolt beer? No. What is it? Why, it's only the tastiest, most refreshing, ice-coldest beer around. The amber goodness of old Rusty Bolt beer is enough to jumpstart any weary fastener salesman.
8: I'll try
10: one. Wow. I feel better already. Hey, mister, what's that name again?
1: Old Rusty Bolt Beer. Brought to you by the fine folks at Buckeye Fasteners and the Ohio Nut & Bolt Company.
0: (coughs) Old Rusty Bolt, that's the name, That that name again, Old Rusty Bolt.
3: Buckeye Fasteners, more than just weld. Harry,
0: how's your search for new software going? We've looked at a lot of systems, some with the
10: same old technology, and others didn't seem like they knew much about what we did or needed. We did look at one company. Crazy name, though. I think it was InSquequel.
3: You mean
0: INXSQL? That's InSQL. That's what we use. We've become much more efficient, and we've been able to offer our customers more services, which makes us more competitive.
10: Yeah, Inksquell, that's the one. They seem to be the only company that really understood what fastener distributors do for a living, and I found it easy to use.
0: Harry, it's InSQL, I-N-X-S-Q-L. You don't pronounce the X. We buy a lot from several master distributors, and their direct connect simplifies the whole process. When we need pricing and availability quickly, we just hit the F12 key. They know our business, and the best part is no extra charges. With our old system, apparently nothing we called about was covered by support. You know, Inkwell seems to be the right company for us. They're called Insql, I-N-X-S-Q-L. Go to their website, www.inxsql.com, or call them at 877-446-9775.
4: Solution Man, Ken
0: Solution Man, you're my
1: fastener hero
0: Just doing my job,
2: ma'am N S O L U T I O N. Solution, S-O-L-U-T-I-O, Solution, Solution, Solution. Industry, Industry. Solution
3: Hi, this is Deb with 3Q Inc., your source for a wide variety of U.S.-made parts from the heart of the fastener industry. You're listening to Brian and Eric on Fully Threaded Radio.
4: And it's the news segment. It's here already, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I know some of you can't wait. And Charlie Kerr fans will be happy because we're going to drop his cameo in here. Big news dropped after we recorded McNulty. Otherwise, he would have mentioned the big UAW situation that's going on. Of course, anytime the automakers get affected, it's pretty important for the fastener industry. So Charlie called me and said, hey, I got some stuff for you. He said, turn on the recorder. I did. You'll hear that in a minute. And. How long did it take you before you had to turn off the recorder? (laughs) Yes, you know Charlie well. (laughs) We kept it pretty tight this time, but uh, he had a lot more to say. Anyway, we'll get to that in a moment. And there's another piece of news that you should know about everyone. The Pacific West Fastener Association, the grooviest of all the fastener associations. They recently announced their new board of directors. Actually, it's only kind of new because... Hans Fuller was re-elected president. I believe this is his second term. He did a good job first time. They brought him back. And George Martinez of Brighton Best, he was on the podcast recently, Bri. Remember that?
5: Yeah, cool.
4: He's VP this time around.
5: Okay, yep.
4: And being the groovy group that they are, remember they combined Secretary and Treasury. Ryan McCaffrey of Pacific Coast Bolt is doing double duty over there. They've got a really good-looking lineup there for their directors. Noticed TJ from Go over there. He's looking real gangster with this new look he's got going. <laughs> Everybody's all smiling and happy. It kind of looks like a mugshot in this one, Bri, on the pack-west.org. Really? Okay. <laughs> you know, he's a tough guy, but he's very friendly when you meet him. But yeah, in this one, I don't know. You sort of
5: imagine he should be wandering around with a cowboy hat and a, some guns, you think? I don't know. This photo looks more like maybe a Tommy gun. (laughs) Uh, Oh, okay.
4: Should have some fingerprints next to it maybe. (laughs) Pac West. So this group also just had their fall conference out in Coeur d'Alene. Saw some really great photos out on LinkedIn. There was one of Mallory Nichols teeing off on this unbelievably. It was just such an immaculate golf course they had at this place. This is the reason I don't play golf, probably because she was shooting across a fairway of just all water onto this little tiny island. I mean, that pond had to be just filled with golf balls. I don't know.
5: Well, it would be if I was teeing off,
4: I have to say. Well, she looked pretty fearless in that shot. Anyway, the fearless Charlie Kerr is up, and uh, let's just point out that the Fastener News Report is brought to us today by Volt Industrial Plastics, and the title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Brighton Best International, Global Fasteners, and Star Stainless. Here's Charlie Kerr on that UAW story.
0: <laughs> Good. You there?
4: Yeah. Why you got something going on? Yeah,
0: just you know, I just wanted to. Uh throw something out that you may or may not find useful. Uh-huh. Uh tomorrow is September 14th. And I guess at the end of the day the United Auto Workers work agreement with uh, Ford, Chrysler, which is Stellantis, and General Motors expires. And I'm 67 years old and over the years there've been strikes at one of the big 3 but not all three at one time. And if that happens and it lasts for, say, several weeks, if not a couple months, I think this could have a very devastating uh, impact on fastener manufacturers uh, and other you know suppliers of uh, metal components that are used in building cars. Oh, yeah. No question. A lot of people are watching this, Charlie, for sure. Now, one thing that I'll point out, scrap surcharges for steel have been gradually trending down and uh that's not a hundred percent a function of demand for steel but uh it's you know trust me if there's no demand for steel there's no demand for scrap and uh you know so it has you know there there is a, a connection there but for instance as recently as april Now, keep in mind, mills have different calculations for their scrap surcharges. But round number, scrap surcharge that we pay was about $17.50 a hundredweight. Now, it it jumped up a little bit in May. Now, it's below $11.50 a hundredweight for steel that'll be shipped in October. Now, I guess the good news is everybody would prefer to pay less for steel. The bad news is if that 11, you know, dollars and 50 cents in round numbers, let's say that drops to like $4.50 and you got a 100,000 square foot warehouse that's full of inventory that was put there when scrap was close to $18 a hundredweight, uh you got a headache.
4: Yeah. Cascading disasters. (laughs) So if you had to put money down right now, Charlie, where do you think this auto worker situation is going to wind up, say, two months from now?
0: Well, it's hard to say for sure, and I'll tell you why. Because something I find very weird, I read this in the Wall Street Journal today, and today is the 13th of uh, September, that the price of stock for some of these car companies is going up. Because investors are of the mind that if there is a strike, it's going to be a short one. Having said that, the UAW is asking for like a 40% pay raise over the duration of the contract. That works out to about 10% a year. And the car companies are offering somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 4% a year. Uh, That's a pretty big gap. And, you know, I don't know if... The guy that's president of the UAW has just been elected, so he's kind of new to the job. I don't know if he's just testing the waters to see if, you know, it's kind of like, you know, ask for a big number and they might counter with not what you're asking for, but a lot less, but maybe more than they would have otherwise. So I'm not sure, you know, what his negotiating strategy might be. I will tell you, Kerr Lakeside does not supply any of the car companies as a tier one supplier. But I guarantee you that on a maintenance and repair basis, a lot of screws that leave our dock every day are used in uh, assemblies that have some connection to what's going on with a car manufacturing facility somewhere.
4: Well, that's true throughout the fastener industry. The ripple effects of whatever might happen would be huge. And we know that the UAW has an enormous strike fund, and they seem poised to be really digging in. So you're probably right on the negotiating strategy there, Charlie, and I guess
0: we'll just have to wait and see. Well, I mean, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that whatever the uh, final outcome is, that it's, you know, favorable for our industry – but on a personal note, I'm driving a Ford Expedition. It's got 190,000 miles on it. And, you know, at the risk of sounding like a cheapskate, I always try to buy these things when they're two years old and have somewhere between 25 and 30,000 miles on them. It seems to be like the, the one I'm driving right now was an Enterprise rental car company car before I got it. It was real clean was parked right next to a brand new model, I couldn't tell the difference until I looked at the sticker in the window. If the car companies go on strike for an extended period of time, there's going to be no inventory of new cars, which means there's going to be no inventory of used cars, which means next year at this time when you and I get on the phone, I'm going to be driving a car with 240,000 miles on it. (laughs) And I'm not happy about it. (laughs) So... There You have it, and
4: uh, I think some people would be shocked that Charlie's driving around in a car that has got well over a hundred thousand on it already.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure Charlie knows how to get value out of anything. Oh, yeah, <laughs> including
4: his old coal hitting machines, too. They are old war horses, but uh, yeah, man, do they crank it out over there at Kerr Lakeside, Euclid, Ohio, an institution here in the Midwest yeah. and in the fastener industry. And we'll hand it off now to another institution. He's focused, actually, this time he's refocusing on fasteners. Bry?
5: Yeah. And now for news about screws that you can use, here's Mike McNulty.
6: Thanks, Brian and Eric. This is Mike McNulty from Fastener Technology International Magazine bringing you the Fastener News Report, which is sponsored by Volt Industrial Plastics, makers of the world's finest plastic fasteners. American football is full speed ahead on high school, college, and professional fields all over the great United States of America. The federal government can no longer threaten social media companies with destruction if they don't censor on behalf of the government, and the Chinese century is probably going to end around seven decades short of 100 years, but I am still focused on fasteners and ready to deliver today's Fastener News Report. In this episode, Andries International President and CEO Michael Knight joins us to reveal the latest results of the Fastener Distributor Index, also known as the FDI. Also on today's broadcast, we have our top story on IFE's Fastener Hall of Fame and Young Fastener Professional Award inductees, as well as newsmaker headlines from MW Components, Worth Group, ITW, Spiral, Brighton Best International, Fastener Specialties Manufacturing, Rotor Clip, and more. On the back page report, we're going to talk about the month of September. We'll get to all of that and the latest FDI results right after this.
1: When price is a big concern and you don't have high tensile strength requirements to worry about, ever think to yourself, why not plastic? Hey everyone, it's Heidi from Bolt Industrial Plastics, Next time you need to find a solution that requires keeping costs as low as possible, give Volt a call and put our team of skilled customer service representatives to work for you. Plastic fasteners can make sense on a wide range of applications that you might not have considered before and provide your customers with big savings. So the next time you have trouble with price and delivery, just think, why not plastic? From everyone here at Bolt Industrial Plastics, thanks for another great year. And you know the website. It's boltplastics.com.
11: This is Jake Davis, founder of the industry-renowned u Blend Coffee and president of BTM Manufacturing. As a domestic manufacturer of threaded fasteners and bent wire products, our history as a family-owned business runs deep. My father, Joe Davis Jr., started in the fastener distribution industry over 50 years ago and has always instilled exceptional customer service into myself and our employees. Over the years, we've expanded our production facility to accommodate more projects, added machinery and tooling to increase our productivity, and increased our knowledge of products consistent with industry changes. However, one constant has always been our customer service-focused mentality. In an imperfect world, we always strive to put our customers first. It's the way I was taught, and it's the way I've continued to operate our business. BTM Manufacturing, a commitment to service. Cut the no quotes out of the equation. Eurolink is your go-to resource for uncommon and hard-to-find
4: metric fasteners that others can't even quote. Contact the sales team at EurolinkFSS.com and get your hard-to-find metric fasteners delivered.
7: With
6: the Seasonally Adjusted Fastener Distributor Index for August 2023 surged to a neutral reading of 50.0, the second highest FDI recorded in 2023, and a nice improvement over the 40.7 result in July. The forward-looking indicator, also known as the FLI, also rebounded to 45.9 versus 38.8 the previous month, the 13th straight month of sub-50 FLIs, but the highest result of the year. Fastener Distributor Index data is collected and analyzed by the FCH Sourcing Network and Baird. The FDI seeks to identify demand pricing and outlook trends within the American fastener distribution industry. To get some insight on these results, we talked to Endry's International President and CEO, Michael Knight. Hi, Michael. Thanks for joining us on the New News Report.
2: Hey, Mike. Uh, Happy to be here, especially uh, given uh, the improvement in uh, FDI. Uh, I (laughs) felt bad listening to the last couple recordings. Uh, The folks that you were interviewing for this spot uh, had to weigh in on some kind of crappy numbers.
6: Yeah, they had to polish up some uh, bad-looking fruit, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And you're stepping in with, uh, you know... You know, our, our the second best FDI of the year and the best forward-looking indicator. What do you What do you think about these results?
2: So very encouraging. I, I and I should preface all my comments with uh, noting that I'm I, an optimist by nature. So I'm I, I'm always looking uh, for some blue sky, and I I feel tailwinds more strongly than headwinds generally. But um, so I, I, I think these results actually do reflect. In improving sentiment for the second half of the year, everybody that I talk to, whether it's in the electronic components industry, the fastener industry, and customers, uh, uh, prevailing trend is that uh, things are improving. You know, for for lots of reasons that uh, you talk about on this segment and some of your other things, Mike. But not the least of which is customer inventories are coming down, and you know we're getting through this inventory hangover that we uh, started the year with. So, if I'm surprised by anything, is that they're actually not. Not stronger, especially the uh, FLI. But that said, I also acknowledge that uh, kind of a common human condition is I think we're hardwired to look for negativity over positivity. You know, we're we're, keeping an eye out for saber toothed (laughs) tigers and other things that are going to jump out and eat us. And uh, so we tend to be more uh, pessimistic about the future than than optimistic, even when things are going well.
6: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, especially in the media. You know, they're always, you know, those old, the, if it bleeds, it leads, or leads, you know, <laughs> something like mm-hmm. that. But um, yeah, so I mean, that's a good uh, good perspective that you have is to look on the uh, on the bright side because there's always a bright side to everything. And uh, these numbers are definitely brighter than the the last few you mentioned uh, were were down quite a bit. In fact, the the sales number more than doubled to forty eight point eight this month versus twenty two point three last month, and uh, so that was nice to see.
2: Yeah, I, I noticed that. What happened in July? 22.3, it's like the world's coming to an end.
6: Yeah. Maybe it was the 4th of July being in the middle of the week or something like that.
2: Well, I, and and I do, I'm curious about, you know, kind of summer summer slump because I what I hear a lot is uh, people referring to, well, you know, it's a summer. And by the way, we certainly saw it in our numbers uh, as we went into the summer, things got soft and squishy uh, progressively. Um, August uh, was uh, definitely off pace. And so when I ask my own team, okay, guys, what's what's really going on here? I get a lot of, well, you know, it's the summer, uh, more people are all on vacation than normal, and all of that. And frankly, I'm a little dubious about that. I I, I don't, I'm not quite ready to just ex- accept that because over time, what I've noticed is that with uh, you know technology and globalization, the seasonality in a lot of industry industries has kind of just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not used to really seeing. A slowdown around holidays or, or the summer traditionally, but I'm, I want to be open-minded here. Maybe this summer was different. Maybe we really did have a summer slump. I don't know.
6: I mean, we all talk or you hear about the, you know, the working vacations, you get up early and check all your emails work and then relax and then work a little later on in the day. So, yeah. A good point, but yeah, I, the I, I don't know what happened in uh, in July, but there was a was a, a drop for sure, and then that's that's corrected itself. Some of the other numbers we saw that employment and deliveries and month to month pricing all increased, while inventories and year to year pricing dipped. So is going down that's a, that's a good thing because you noted that at the beginning of your comments. You think we're getting rid of that uh, problem?
2: Yeah, it and uh, I think. The big story for this year when we look back on it is, uh, uh, it's, it's all about working capital. We are all, uh, whether it's an end customer, or a manufacturer, a distributor, uh, very, you know, extra working capital sensitive this year because, uh, it, there's a lot of things going on. The over inventory is a biggie. Um, we're all trying to work down inventories to free up cash to do other things. And that's certainly the case here. But then the other two levers on working capital are uh, accounts payable and accounts receivable. So in order to improve working capital, we're all, you know, slow paying uh, (laughs) down the chain and uh, pressuring our customers to fast pay. So, you know, they kind of cancel each other out. But I, I, I think that, Certainly, for the first half of the year, a lot of the business behavior and what people have been doing, how they've been running their businesses, there is an extra measure of uh, cash sensitivity. That um, as we get past this, I am expecting a kind of a more normal trend in terms of uh, investment and planning and, and that kind of thing.
6: So, people keeping keeping their cash a little closer to the vest.
2: Yeah, for lots of reasons, not the least of which is you know interest rates. Uh, have climbed so Crazy. The, you know the yeah the cost of debt hurts and by the way i think that is a going to be um it, for another 12 to 18 months a pretty strong headwind that uh is going to affect how our customers invest how each of us invest in you know additional capacity how we invest in people so i i don't want to minimize or make light of the headwinds because they are they are significant. We just saw in the August PPI, further strengthening there, which to me suggests we're a long way from having inflation tamed, which means I think we're a long way from having the Fed move uh, from a hawkish stance to a dovish stance. So um, we're, we're, not, we're not out of the woods yet, but things also aren't as bad as the uh, headlines would have us believe, in my opinion.
6: Yeah. And just in real world, just going around and traveling and going to stores and restaurants and seems like things are pretty good
2: yep Uh, business is (laughs) certainly strong and prices are certainly strong as well that's the thing i'm struggling with is um you know we, we talked about a lot of people being on vacation uh which is awesome i think vacations are important but frankly i'm not quite sure how everybody can afford to be on vacation given the cost of flights restaurants and hotels
6: yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's always a question. <laughs> like, where does everybody get all the money? <laughs> but it's a question that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. <laughs> Just walking around the neighborhood or, you know, like going to the airports, where's everybody going? <laughs> but, you know, everything keeps moving along pretty good. And and uh, one set of numbers I want to talk about it that kind of surprised me a little bit was the six-month outlook was... Was unchanged. It was uh, the same as it was last month. With only twenty three percent of the respondents expecting things to be better, forty expecting it to be same, and thirty seven expecting conditions to be worse six months down the road. So I don't know with the uh, with the Fli going up and the Fdi going up. I thought that that might have improved a little bit as well. So
2: I I too found that to be a little conservative mm-hmm. in light of I. I I think we've universally moved past the viewpoint that uh, recession is overdue and imminent. You know, I, I, even the naysayers have flipped and I think most everyone is saying that we will be recession-free this year. So I, I would have expected that to be reflected in, in outlooks. Um, so th- that that is a, a bit puzzling. Yeah. Frankly, though, as I, I look ahead beyond this year, which I do think the second half of this year is going to be better than the first half. I I bet money on that. But I am expecting things to get a little choppy again. First half of next year. I, I you know, uh, recessions. We talk about them as they're you know the boogeyman, but <laughs> I think they're pretty natural things. They do. They serve a purpose. They get things to kind of reset. Uh, frankly the only way that we are going to avoid all the pain of long-term inflation is actually to trigger a recession, in my opinion. And I would rather have a a recession than long-term inflation. Long-term inflation feels like a really serious illness where a recession feels like a cold to me. Mm -hmm. So uh, in a a weird way, uh, having a little bit of a recession, a very soft recession in the first half of the year, I think, Clears the decks for an amazing second half of calendar twenty four, and and my personal opinion is when we get into twenty five, we've got uh, lots of uh, room and runway ahead of us, uh, potentially for the rest of the the decade. So, what I'm telling my team through the budgeting process and through team meetings is, you know, stay calm, preserve strength, because we've got uh, much better days ahead of us. But then the, we got to keep our eye on the prize because the next twelve months probably will continue to be a bit choppy. Well,
6: that's a good way to look at it. You know, you have the uh, a recession being like, you know, a cold that you get over and you come back stronger out of it rather than long-term illness of just inflation that won't go away. And, um, you know, I think the natural market forces, we know in our guts that that's the, that's the best way to go rather than the trying to control it all with outside influences They usually have unintended consequences and bad results.
2: Yeah, and it, when something as big as uh, the U.S. economy, and if you go bigger, the you know the global economy, it's not like there are uh, fine dials on this where you can make you know micro adjustments. These are you know very big levers that you pull, and the effect is one, it's not subtle, but more importantly, it's not immediate. You know, it uh, it takes time to see what happens, and um, I'm very curious about Mike is. Next year is an election year, and historically, if in an election year we're in recession, the incumbent doesn't get reelected. And um, I gotta believe the incumbents know that and um, are are probably um,
6: gonna do whatever they can.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I, and I don't know how that works. You know, the feds feds an independent organization is supposed to be immune from pressure from the federal government, but you know, it that's. If that if you buy into that fantasy, I'd I'd like to talk to you about selling you the Brooklyn Bridge. But next year is going to be pretty interesting uh, because of the election cycle, right? See what they try to throw at it. Mm
6: -hmm. Oh well, we will see what happens. (laughs) Um, That's that's maybe a good say. Well, let's go into uh, some of the respondent commentary. The first comment was touching on the summer vacation issue that you brought up, and this quote. uh, from one of the respondents said, felt that customers had catching up to do after summer vacation. Sales activity was up in August after a very sluggish July, end quote. So that's kind of what you were alluding to before. Another uh, quote said, was one a little puzzling, but it said to, it was related to, despite improvements to the FDI this month, multiple participants expressed unease on the future, which kind of explains maybe the six-a-month outlook not being bad. This one quote here, it says, too much bad juju in the world. I don't know what juju is, (laughs) I'm expecting a slowing of sales as people become nervous and continue to ignore the economists. (laughs) You know what juju is? (laughs) It doesn't sound
2: good. Yeah.
6: Or maybe maybe they mean too many bad vibes or or bad uh, omens or something like that.
2: So one of of the other things that I I think has to be factored in, and uh, a number of your other guests leading up to this have. Talked about this is um, 21, and then 22 was truly remarkable. I mean, a lot of us saw uh, more growth in in one or two years than we would expect to see in five or 10 years. And what I think is even more remarkable is generally we're hanging on to it. It reminds me of uh, some advice I got from a friend of mine, a guy named Dennis Reed, who works at um, Edgewater Research. He said you got to comp the comps. So you know the, the obvious comp for this year is last year, right? And and those comps don't look that great at the moment for for many of us. But is that you then have to stop and comp last year's comps? And I I think what you see if you take a little bit of a a long view is that we're in we're in uh, kind of nosebleed territory and and staying there. So it, it's it's all a matter of perspective, but perspective is important because I think it kind of sets you up for how you're going to play the game, you know, how you're going to move through the world.
6: Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, uh, that's good advice. Definitely. It's all relative to where you're, where you're comparing it to. Uh, the, the next comment I wanted to share is uh, one uh, respondent said, it's hard to predict the upcoming months with any confidence. I would expect to see businesses have small peaks and valleys as the market still has not normalized yet. And then another comment uh, respondent was encouraged by recent stabilization. Business is steady, and the forecast is the same. So that's what you were talking about earlier. A little bit of choppy waters, but things kind of stabilizing overall. And uh, just got to keep using your wind reference. You know, using the tailwinds to keep going.
2: Yep, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the
6: uh, The next comment is uh, related to pricing. Saying it's this respondent says it's hard to. Pass on pricing. Our vendors' prices are increasing, but we are not expected to raise our prices. We've lost orders for less than $0.25 per part. Another comment, inflation is impacting many of the traditional costs of distribution in the USA, including labor and freight. Product sourcing prices in Taiwan are up 6%. China slightly down, and containerized freight is down. Customers are flat, and building to order versus inventory.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, this is a challenge for all of us. Right. And it, it challenges even for our end customers because we're, and this too is not new news. You've covered this before now, Mike, but um, we're still dealing with peak pricing that we've inventoried, you know, parts that were uh, ordered a year ago, two years ago. We, we all have inventory that uh, at a price point that we could replace the inventory at a lower price point today. So that's, we've got to work with our end customers all down the chain to get that resolved. But one thing I would point out, and, and I talked to our, our sales team about this, is that, yes, freight has come down. Yes, uh, in some cases, raw materials uh, have settled down. But the fact of the matter is there are a lot of cost inputs that go into pricing of our product that haven't settled down. You know, And we're talking about labor. We're talking about insurance, uh, business insurance premiums. I just went through an insurance review here. Um, not fun. Yeah, you know, business insurance benefits uh, costs are going up. Um, I don't think people are going to sign up for a pay cut anytime soon. So that the higher wage rates that have developed over the last couple of years, they are a factor. Uh, regulatory costs are a factor. So there's some very significant cost inputs that uh, not only remain high, but continue to go higher. And uh, I I think it's important that we have those details so we can talk intelligently about that with our customers who are just reading the headlines and saying, you know, hey, come on, what's going on here? Uh, Freights settle down. Lead times have started to settle down. Where are my lower prices?
6: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It is a challenge.
2: (laughs) Yeah, those aren't easy conversations. Um, But the, the more facts you have, the more rational you can be. A, a believer that I believe her that I think it helps the it helps the conversation.
6: Okay. Well, anything else you want to add on the FDI before we uh, give you a chance to talk uh, tell the listeners what's going on with Andrews uh, International?
2: Nope. I, I like the index. We actually uh, map our own results to the index. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism, Mike.
6: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that caught my attention while we were talking is we were saying, you know, all year, you know, people have been talking about a recession and Hasn't happened, and I'm like, well, it's September, so it's almost over.
2: <laughs> yeah, technically, it's not possible for this year. You have to have two back-to-back quarters that are down. Exactly,
6: yeah. So push it into 2024. Okay, good. So um, yeah, thanks for your insights on the on the FDI and the FLI. What's going on with Endries International?
2: Um, actually, a lot. You know, we are very focused on the future. So uh, we just started our our new calendar or rather our new fiscal year uh, started August 1. We've got a funky fiscal. Um, but uh, got the uh, budget by the board of directors, and we are actually increasing our CapEx and in our investments on innovation, uh, systemic stuff, doing some kind of cool things with AI, but um, also investments in people. We're you know, growing our team, and we've got some technology investments that I'm really excited about in terms of uh, VMI, which is a very important part of our value proposition to our end customers that uh, before the end of this calendar year, I think we'll be out in beta with a, a couple of lead customers on that. Uh, I, I can't wait to talk more about you know, if I, the proof of concept we're running right now goes as planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, this'll, this'll be a big deal. So there's a lot of ways that we can all uh, grow our, our business. And, you know, I, frankly, I wouldn't mind a little bit of a breather because it'll give us some time to uh, do some of the things that y- you can't do when things are just going flat out. And um, so there's, there is a, a lot going on here, so stay tuned.
6: Yeah, and I know you guys, I'm looking on your website, which is uh, injuries.com. You cover a lot of different markets, uh, everything in all seasons and in and out of season and different things. So it looks pretty well diversification there. And um, as well as acquisitions. and I know you've had a lot of acquisitions and maybe you can't talk about any that you have coming up or <laughs> taking a breather, but um, I'm sure people look forward. It's to It's an that.
2: important part of a, important part of what we we do. And, and I talked about this in the article that you mentioned earlier with a traveling salesman. I am super lucky. Steve Endries, who's a, a son of founder Bob Endries, and you know Steve's grown up in the business. Uh, leads our uh, M and A activity. Um, I've taken a lot of kind of day to day stuff off of Steve, giving him more time to do this, and he's absolutely brilliant at it. He's a perfect person, right? He's put it bluntly, been bought and sold uh, <laughs> a few times. Um, we have we've got a spectacular story for anybody thinking about uh, selling their business. is the wrong word. It's it's actually not a story. It's a reality. We've got plenty of reference points. People in our business that came through acquisition. Yeah, you're good at doing it. Yep, we are. So keep it keep an eye out on that. We've got great backers. So you know, despite the cost of debt at the moment, we're very much uh, in the game. That is an important part of our uh, growth story, has been and will continue to be. But um, we're also really, really focused on organic growth and many of the investments I was talking about earlier are all designed to enhance our uh, organic growth.
6: Yeah. I bet you're looking forward to getting those up and running and online and sharing them with your customers. Yeah. You mentioned the article that was appeared in the August, September issue of Fastener Technology International Magazine. It was page 88 and 89, the traveling salesman interviewed you. There's uh, three pages of good uh, interview and some pictures, including some pictures of motorcycle and a truck that I think you have a uh, interest in rebuilding British cars, trucks, tractors, and motorcycles. Anything you want to tell us about there?
2: Uh, they all use a lot of fasteners. <laughs>
6: <And> <laughs> so that's why you <laughs> gravitated to the fastener. industry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, what when I, when I always tell my team is keep an eye on me as I'm going through warehouses that I don't start stuffing my pockets full of parts. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Put in your workshop,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah.
6: So it was a good article. Yeah, re- uh, listeners should check it out if they haven't already seen it. And um, I, I heard, uh, you know, the Fully Threaded Radio had a special report from the MWFa Week last uh, last month in the Chicagoland area, and there was some interviews in there. And I heard there was a couple Endries International people there that were getting uh, took the Fastener Training Institute training class, and I, they had some commentary on there. So. Sounds like you're investing in your people too.
2: Absolutely, we we love that and and intend to send uh, more folks through it. In fact, um, myself and my new CFO Dan Crociata are going to be at the International Fastener Expo in Las Vegas, and on the Monday, we're going to two of us are going to attend the all-day training that's going on there. Good, yeah, be armed armed and dangerous. Come Tuesday.
6: Then you'll be uh, out on the show floor and walking uh, walking the aisles and checking out all the – they have a pretty good uh, program put together, I think.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
6: All right. Anything else you want to want to close and tell the listeners about?
2: No. Um, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and uh, especially appreciate being able to have this conversation when things are – at the moment, it's swinging up. So uh, if it continues to go, uh, go up and to the right. I'm going to take full credit. Um, if it doesn't i'm gonna i think i'm gonna try and blame it on eric
6: blame it on eric that's what that's always a good good move (laughs) and then uh, you can wait till you see it's going to come back up again and then you'll ask you know we'll be invite you back on for the next upswing perfect good well thanks thanks again for coming on and for sharing your insights on the industry and the fdi and the fli and and all the good things that are going on at andrews international
2: thanks for having me
6: That was uh, Endry's international president and CEO, Michael Knight. The FDI number for August 2023 was 50.0 versus 40.7 in July. Visit FDIsurvey.com to participate in the process and get a detailed PDF copy of Baird's monthly analysis. Now for today's top story on IFE's Fastener Hall of Fame and Young Fastener Professional Award inductees. The organizers of the International Fastener Expo 2023 invite the entire fastener industry to join them in congratulating the 2023 Fastener Hall of Fame and Young Fastener Professional Award inductees. The 2023 Hall of Fame inductees include Bob Baer, President and CEO of Abbott Interfast, George Hunt III, Regional Sales Manager at Brighton Best International, and Eric Dudas and Brian Musker the founders and principals of the FCH Sourcing Network, and Fully Threaded Radio. These four men have a combined 90-plus years of professional work and volunteer service in the fastener industry, not to mention countless hours behind-the-scenes work as fastener industry champions and advocates. The Young Fastener Professional Award inductees are Michael Robinson, Key Accounts Manager for LinFast Solution Group, and Mallory Cravens-Nichols, Vice President, Business Development for Advanced Components. Together, these young professionals can boast many productive years of strong fastener industry experience and performance, as well as impressive resumes of volunteer leadership work at industry associations. Congratulations to all the winners for these well-deserved awards and on their completed and upcoming contributions to the fastener industry. You can find more information on the 2023 inductees on page one of the September 18th issue of the Fastener News Report, which is available online at fastenertech.com and you can hear the inductees' acceptance speeches in person at the Las Vegas Fastener Show in October. You can also learn more about the IFE Fastener Show in Fastener Technology International Magazine's October-November issue, which has more than 20 pages of IFE 2023 coverage, including dozens of exhibitor spotlights. Visit FastenerTech.com to read it online. Next up, today's Fastener Newsmaker Headlines. In corporate news, MW Components acquired the Elgin Fastener Group. Distribution Solutions Groups announced a two for one stock split. Worth Group made changes to its supervisory board. Whitecap acquired Reno Hardware and Supply. ITW announced a CEO succession plan. Spiral expanded its Fastener equipment line. Genesis Industries acquired Sterner Screw Machine. And Hager Oldenzahl, a pen engineering company, inaugurated its new machine demonstration facility. In personnel news, Brighton Best International named Rex Crawford Southeast Regional Manager and Al Tuke as Proford Sales Manager. Jurgens appointed Miguel Carran as its Product and Business Development Manager from Mexico. FastSnap Corporation named Jeff Kendall President, Joe Killenbeck Chief Operating Officer, and Dave Freshhour Director of Operations. And Arcana Corporation announced that Chris Ayers has become its chief executive officer. In milestone and award news, Fastener Specialties Manufacturing is celebrating its 50th anniversary. EuroLink was recognized as a top 10 industrial fastener service provider. And RotorClip won a GM Supplier Excellence Award. You can get details on all of these stories and more in Fastener Technology International Magazine and the Fastener News Report monthly newsletter, both available online at FastenerTech.com. Now let's turn to the back page to talk about the month of September. I am a longtime fan of the month of September and the upcoming season of fall for all of the obvious and perhaps superficial reasons. Cooler temperatures and brighter skies, backyard garvin harvests, acorns and leaves underfoot, football games, long sleeves and jackets, Oktoberfest beer, school buses, and reluctantly pumpkin-flavored everything. I also have several family members with September birthdays, so there are always celebrations to attend to, but this year, thanks to a short and wonderful column on the editorial page of the September 10th issue of the Wall Street Journal, it seems to me that something deeper and more profound is at work on us as we enter autumn each year. The author, Emma Osman, a 20-something assistant social media editor for the journal, writes, quote, There is a shift in the air when September arrives. The leaves begin to turn. You grab a sweater for the morning commute. Children head to school with new backpacks and uniforms. It's a time for fresh starts. There are new teachers, new classes, new friends, excitement, and anticipation. This is the second autumn in which I am not part of the back-to-school club. As I watched my younger sister pack her bags for college, I felt a bit wistful. Luckily, my Jewish grandmother is more than willing to teach a lesson. She reminded me that in the Jewish tradition, Rosh Hashanah, which begins on September 15th, marks the new year, offering every one of us a new beginning. We eat apples and honey in hope of a sweet year, and we usher in a period of reflection, taking stock of our mistakes, sins, and regrets. Ten days later, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, our fast offers us a period of introspection and repentance. We ask God for forgiveness and for a blank slate in the coming year, end quote. Wow, very nice, Emma. Now, I am not Jewish, but I am in my seventh decade of practicing Christianity, sometimes faithfully, other times not, hopefully with the right amount of zeal and perseverance to overcome bouts of lukewarmness and laziness, and I'm very familiar with and fond of the Hebrew scriptures and celebrations, as well as the many Jewish roots of Christianity. So it now seems to me that these thousands of years old traditions may have something to do with how many of us enjoy September and the season it ushers in. Ms. Osmond concludes her article by writing, quote, The fall is a chance to refocus. It gives us a moment to start fresh if we allow it to, end quote. So as I record this back page report on September 15th, the actual Jewish New Year, and we all prepare for the last quarter of 2023 and the barrage of winter days lying ahead of us on the horizon, I close by saying Happy New Year and all the best to the Fully Threaded Radio community on refocusing on fasteners and other important things this month and into the fall season ahead. This has been Mike McNulty of Fastener Technology International bringing you the Fastener News Report. Please send your news, pictures, comments, corrections, or complaints to me at McNulty at FastenerTech.com.
0: Gerbil Fasteners is
4: excited to announce our brand new 18 volt lithium ion cordless battery
7: tools. They are proven, reliable tools ideal for demanding assembly, maintenance, general metalworking and trucking industry applications.
0: Gerbil Fasteners, the leading rivet source.
4: Quality products, quality service, quality customers. That's 3Q Inc a fastener distributor unlike any you've worked with before with its unique remote managed inventory stocking programs, wide array of secondary service offerings and wholly owned cold forming capability. 3Q Inc has been supporting fastener distributors since 2008. 3Q offers a wide range of 100% American made fasteners, including ITW SEMS lock washers, as well as specialty and imported parts. Give 3Q a call today to discuss your needs and experience 3Q quality quality for yourself. 3Q Inc. www.3q-inc.com.
7: Hello everybody. This is Carmen Vertula with your Fastener Training Minute coming to you from Carver Labs and the Fastener Training Institute. Today, our faster training minute is a third and maybe the last we'll see in our series about cutting taps. Now, these cutting taps that we're going to be talking about are used for tapping holes. You drill a hole and you tap it. These aren't the kind of taps you use for manufacturing nuts, mass production in the industry. These are the things that you either use in your hand with a tool or maybe you put them into a CNC machine or a drill press with a tapmatic to tap holes. We're going to talk about the most common types of taps and maybe a little bit about special taps. And to help me with that, I have a guest who is one of our great fastener training mentor program mentees. His name's George Munoz. He's from Ababa Bolt here in El Cajon, which is the place I got my start in this industry. When we come back, I'm going to introduce George to you and we're going to talk about cutting taps.
3: At Worth, status quo isn't an option. Worth is a global supply chain solutions provider of fasteners, MRO, and safety products, along with value-added services like kitting and assembly, 3D printing, and engineering assistance. Find out what Worth can do for you at worthindustry.com. Hello everyone, Ashley Parker with Parker Fasteners. Do you have a dual source for socket product lines? With everything going on in the world, don't get caught single sourced. Bring solutions to your customers' needs. Begin investing in domestic products. You will decrease transportation, lead times, increase sustainability, and you'll be carrying quality products you can trust. Start forging your future by enhancing your supply chain. Join the movement and call Parker Fasteners today. Forge USA.
7: hey everybody welcome back to the faster training minute today we're talking about cutting taps in this third of a series and i have a good friend here a guy i've known for a long time worked with him his name's george munoz george tell us about where you work and what you do there hey carmen i work
10: at a baba bolt or a wholesale fastener distributor cutting tools cutting fluids i've worked there 17 years a little bit of everything in the
7: warehouse in front counter inside sales um we sold taps there. And I, when I worked at Abable, I sold taps too. And throughout my working life, as a uh, all the way back to shop class in eighth grade, when I first learned about cutting taps, I've used them. Interestingly enough, there are a few things to know about taps. So I'm going to start off asking George. And I remember there were three pretty basic types of taps that people would ask for, or at least if they knew what they were doing, they would ask for, and you might counsel them. Tell us about those three taps, George, in terms of the type and what the differences are between them. Sure. So, yeah, the very basics, three taps, three different flutes is, I think,
10: what they're called. So there's a bottoming tap, which is used for blind holes commonly, a plug tap, which is the most common one, and a taper tap, which I think gives you longer cutting surface, usually for harder alloys.
7: And so when someone would come into the front counter and they would just come up to you and say, I need a quarter 20 tap, and they don't know anything about those, what would you ask them to help them tune in on which one of the three they might choose? What you're drilling into, what you're, what's it for? Basically trying to figure out if it's going to be a bottoming hole or a through hole. So the bottoming tap would be used in a bottomed hole, like a hole that's not all the way through so you can get closer to the bottom. Yes, sir. But not so good at starting threads because it doesn't have much of a taper to it. Not much of a taper at all, about one or one and a half threads. So I know also from my work in the CNC machine shop that there are some other types of taps that can sometimes be used by hand. And one of those is a spiral point tap, or what's called a gun nose or bull nose tap. And That wouldn't be typical that you would find in a fastener supplier tap selection, would it?
10: Not usually like in commercial fasteners. You could have over the counter stuff, yeah. Special order stuff, somebody who, who kinda knows what
7: they're doing, what they're looking for. And that's popular for us in the CNC world. Now, one of the issues that you have is when you're gonna tap a hole, the chips have to have somewhere to go, right? Yes, sir. Or else you have to pull the tap in and out to clear the chips. And I know in our world, in the CNC world, we have a tap that's called a spiral flute tap. And uh, describe that for us. The name kind of says it's a spiral, big spiral. I think it's for ejecting the chips when you're cutting. That's right. It will make the chips come out of the hole instead of going into the hole. And the cool thing about that is if you have a blind hole, those chips don't get packed in. And that's not a hand tap. I've seen people use them as hand taps I've used them as hand taps, but they break very easily. Ask me how I know. You look at them, they just look spindly. They look like there's no metal or meat there. And they look kind of like a weapon, like a mace or something. They're just gnarly looking tools. So you have to have great control to use them properly. And that control comes from the CNC machine tool. And I'm going to tell you about one more type of tap that is uh, very interesting to me. And this is called the roll thread tap or the Thread forming tap. And you look at that tap and it has, it could or could not have flutes, but it does not cut any material. Therefore, we must have a hole that's larger than the normal tap drill. Remember a couple of episodes ago, we talked about tap drills. And with the roll thread tap, you need a larger hole because we're moving material both outward and inward. And one of the biggest mistakes we see people make is they use the normal tap drill for the cutting tap with the roll thread or thread forming tap. And these don't work in all materials. You got to have a reasonably ductile material, but their claim to fame is they don't break as easily and they last a really long time. So if you have hundreds or thousands of holes to tap in your CNC equipment, or even by hand or the tapmatic, it's the way to go. Now, that's the very basics of taps. And I would say there are some other types of taps. There are taps for tapping uh, pipe threads, for example. And there are taps for oversized holes. We have this thing called H-limit, right, George? Yes, sir.
10: Commonly, what you're going to see in commercial stuff is a 2H. Once people who really know what they're doing, they're going to change them. There's
7: 3H up to 7H. And that refers to the size the thread is going to be within the limit of what that thread is allowed to be according to its class. It doesn't make the tapped hole in or out of limits. It just simply decides where within the thread class that you're making that the tapped hole is going to be. And this comes in handy when you want a little bit larger hole for assemblability or a little bit tighter hole for whatever reason. Maybe you want a higher strength internal thread. And there actually it goes all the way up to H11, which is a very oversized hole. And the typical fastener distributor that sells taps probably would not have that, but they could order it for you because all of the tap manufacturers make all of those H-limit taps. And I'm not going to mention who they are. You all know who they are. Yeah. Commercially, uh, you're just going to see like 2H is what common stuff the the home stores are going to have. If you go into the Home Depot or something, you're going to get a 2H. So I think that's about enough to know about the common hand taps for right now. Also, of course, there's a product called the threading die, which makes the external thread that you would have on a bolt very difficult to use, in my opinion. Most people use them to repair or chase damaged threads But you can make threads with them with a lot of care and a lot of preparation. If you have an issue with using um, a threading die, give me a call or email me. You know how to get a hold of me, Carmen V at CarverEM.com. And I will tell you all the things you can do wrong with threading dies because I've done all of them. All right, well... George, thank you for joining us. That's my pleasure. Thank you for participating in the uh, Fastener Expert Mentoring Program, which, by the way, by the time you hear this, probably will be fired up. We're going to start in the third week of September. It was going to be the second week, the ninth, but I pushed that out to, I think, the 16th. I hope I got those dates right. Those of you that are listening who are mentees will all be getting an email around that. Okay, this has been Carmen Vertulo and George Munez from Ababa Bolt with your Fastener Training Minute. Thanks for listening. Thank you. This is Mike Robinson with Star Stainless, and you are listening to Fully Threaded Radio.
4: ongoing interest of continuing to bring fully threaded listeners the best in predominantly fast and related media got wind of a great new podcast actually i saw this a few months ago fly by on linkedin gave it a listen and uh marty nolan reminded me the other day hey you gotta have these guys on the podcast Chris Kolb and Bryce Oliveira. I hope I got you right there. Uh, (laughs) Well done, Eric. Yeah, you you guys put out a really, really cool new podcast called Bolts and Hose. Welcome to Fully Threaded. (laughs) Thank you, Eric. Appreciate you having us on, man. Thanks for having us, brother. Hey, it's great to meet you guys. And let's talk a little bit about your podcast, a little bit about Patriot Bolt, which is from where it hails and all that stuff. Man, I had some fun scanning these episodes. Looks <laughs> like you guys have fun putting it together. And it's kind of awkward.
9: I feel like we're cheating on Bolts and Hoes cuz this is I think the first first podcast we've been on
8: other than Bolts and Hoes. And despite your your uh perception there, we're probably not professionals at this either. So, you know, <laughs> if you've seen some episodes um, you know, uh, you know, we, we do, uh, sometimes our sound's not exactly right and our video is not right, but, uh, we just have fun. You know, we're right next to a brewery here in Humble. So, um, it's, you know, what else are you going to do here on a Friday? No,
4: you're doing it right. You're doing it right for sure. I mean, we've had a lot of fun with that particular subject over the years and, uh, well, we don't have the cameras rolling, but let me just tell you, especially in the early years, there was a little bit of that going on. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, congratulations
8: on launching this. How long have you been doing the podcast? I think we're on episode twenty-three now, Bryce, and I think we've been pretty consistent that we've done it every week. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I'm kind of proud of ourselves. You know, there's it's not it, it's a lot of work. You know, it's not something where you just go in and you got to carry the hardware over there and carry the laptop and you know the the guys over there are really cool. And they uh, give us the opportunity and, and set aside a table for us to set this up every week. But uh, I think they kind of look forward to being a part of it, too. We'll bring them in to do some cameos from time to time.
9: Yeah, we've been very consistent with it. And it's, it's kind of difficult to you know keep it fresh every week and find new topics to talk about. But, um, you know, I think I am being a little selfish here. I think we do a good job at bringing new topics to the table. And you know, we try to have some guests
8: on that can bring some value. So it's been a fun ride so far. You know, it's definitely lighthearted, considering the fact that the name of it is bolts and hose. So, uh, you know, we'll try to bring some some uh, some fun side of it, but we'll also try to inject some technical side as well. Um, there's probably a good mixture of people that uh, watch it or even pay attention. But uh, you know, regardless, we're having a good time doing it. I'm sure there's a few people getting some uh, some nuggets of information out of it. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's a good mix.
4: Really, really pays off. Okay, so we have to start this off by saying, how did you come up with the name? You know, we try to run a family show here, and <laughs> <laughs>
8: what is we'll that get all it about? PG
4: rated. <laughs> yeah, go
9: ahead. Go Chris. ahead.
8: Well, I was just going to say, you know, we started with the bolting business, and you know, you you know, we, we bolted on a gasket business shortly after we started this. And then, uh, in the last year we started the hose business and, you know, honestly, I don't know that we've ever been asked the question or we've even evaluated that really, but I think, you know, we just started to say, you know, our offering, our product offering here is bolts and hose. Um, you know, considering the fact that we're big, uh, a Talladega night fan and Will Farrell and, and, uh, and stepbrothers fans, you know, it's just natural that, that uh, uh, you start to say an inside joke about that. So when we started talking about marketing opportunities and and how we uh, promote ourselves, you know, that uh, naturally came to light. Somebody said we should have a podcast and we should call it Bolton Hose. So, um, you know... I think once that idea was out there, there was no stopping it. And I didn't,
9: I didn't ever think it was going to happen. Yeah. I just thought it was one of those silly ideas you throw around in the conference room and it's never going to happen. And then one day, Chris and I just said, let's go next door and record this podcast. And I think we both were a little nervous. And, but it's, it's worked out well, I would say.
8: Yeah, I think I I, uh, agreed that the concept was uh, something that we could do. And then I think Bryce just came in one day in in my office and I still remember him at my door. He said, come on, let's do this podcast. So we just kind of threw everything together and went over there and did it. And, uh, you know, I think it was kind of a a challenge between both of us that we could keep it going. So I think nobody's called uh, Mercy yet. So uh, it just (laughs) keeps going week after week.
4: Now, just so that listeners can get a better idea about who we're dealing with here, let's talk about your home base and how Patriot Bolt is all set up. So we know where you guys fit in the organization.
9: So, you know, I'm. I guess you could call me the vice president of sales here at Patriot Bolt. You know, we're based in Humble, Texas. Been in business five and a half years, so we've really grown in the last three years in the manufacturing side of things and hot and heavy, and uh, and just making specialty bolts. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I stand. You know, I'm, I guess I'm close to the market, uh, talking with customers every day, just getting a pulse on what's going on next, where the, where the big orders are and, uh, you know, just managing the team here, making sure everyone's happy, has the tools that they need to be successful. So I would say that's really where, where I'm coming from.
8: I think from my standpoint, I just kind of carry Bryce's bags for the most part. So, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm here, I'm here and I do whatever needs to be done. Um, I'd be considered the president, but uh, I don't know that uh, we really have a lot of titles around here. We just kind of all chip in and do what needs to be done. And it's fun that way. I think we all enjoy it. Um, You know, myself, I'm involved in a few other businesses. We started, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Patriot Bolt. And then Patriot Gasket or Patriot Sealing Technologies, um, so we started that uh, a few years ago, and uh, that business has grown into um, a manufacturing location that we have here in Numbel. And then we've got two locations of all places in the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, one location in Dubai, and one location in United uh, or du- Abu Dhabi. Sorry. And then last year we started, the, like I said, the hose company. So, uh, and that's based in Lafayette, Louisiana. So a lot of my time is spent, you know. Uh, supporting those locations as well, just from a management standpoint. Well, Chris,
4: you guys just didn't start this business five and a half years ago on a lark. So, how did this all start?
9: Well, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call us veterans in the faster world. Um, <laughs> okay, it's kind of like
4: the podcast. Is that what you're saying?
9: <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. You know, I mean, I think we we know we saw a need out there, and we tried to fill a need, and. Like I said, if you, um, I think you can be successful in anything that you do if you prioritize customers. I think that's the most important thing in any business, and I think that's what we realized when we started it. Because where we came from it was, you know, it was a corporate environment, and they just lost focus on you know what's important, and they were looking at numbers and um, you know looking how they could cut costs and cut commissions and whatever else. So you know that just drives good people away. And it was Chris's brainchild and. You know, I, I don't know if he'd probably tell you that he didn't have an exact idea where this thing was going to end. I think ultimately it, we saw it as a as a business we were going to make, you know, specialty bolts, but how we were going to get there
8: was another story. Oh, I love this. Yeah. When we started <laughs> out, yeah, it was, uh I will admit, like Bryce says, it wasn't a very clear vision. Uh, You know, we, I think we all recognize there was a void in the marketplace for a variety of reasons, not just. Uh, based on the fact that uh, the company had worked for it previously it kind of dropped the ball a little bit but um, I think just in the market in general the the void that existed for specialty bolts and uh, we just could tell while there were a couple of players out there there was plenty of room for somebody else to, to begin another operation so Like Bryce said, when we first started, we really didn't know how it was going to transpire. But, you know, I bought a couple of pieces of used equipment, you know, a saw and a chamfering machine. And, you know, the idea from a special standpoint back then was just taking threaded bar and cutting it and cutting it into special lengths. And we we did do that for the first couple of years. And, you know, you had Bryce and I, you know, loading up pallets uh, in the back of our trucks and delivering them to customers. And it was very much a service oriented. I always made the comment that we were selling much more service than we were a product. So uh, I think that's very much true in the beginning as as much as it is today. But, you know, we, we started that doing that. And then, you know, as we were brokering materials and buying materials out from other people and reselling them. Um, we just quickly started to move in the direction of, hey, you know, I found this used piece of equipment out there. Um, and uh, that's pretty much the way we've run our business. The way we run it today is that, you know, we've just kept it very lean and, and very focused. And, you know, we don't really get into a lot of commodity fasteners, a lot of import things like a lot of people do. Most all of our stuff is specialty manufactured on a CNC or a Landis machine, you know, specialty threads, uh, metric threads, uh, Acme threads, anything with a special attribute that would prevent somebody from having it on the shelf or or importing it in high volume. Um, you know we're there focused on domestic manufacturing, quick turnaround, specialty alloys, um, and any type of special attribute, like I said, that would make it something that uh, somebody needs domestic manufacturing. Well, you're in a perfect position, it sounds
4: like, to evaluate the trend of reshoring. So we talk about that a lot on the podcast. What's your take these days?
9: You know, I think there's just a a huge opportunity. I mean, obviously, COVID disrupted a lot of things. Um, You know, one of the biggest things being supply chain and, you know, importing products. And I know a lot of people had issues just bringing over commodity items from, you know, China, Taiwan, South Korea, India, wherever else. And, you know, we kept our doors open and we answered phone calls. We went and saw customers. And I think it really brought some value and people saw that, um, said, hey, you know, these guys are willing to help us when we need help. And so, you know, the more we've invested back into the company and brought in more equipment, um, we've just seen a lot more demand of people. You know, they just can't get their parts anymore. Um, You know, import product is it's just a disaster. In our eyes, I mean, I'm sure some people are still having a success doing it, but, you know, we got quality products. um, We can get them done extremely quick. If, you know, some equipment goes down, we can manufacture product and get it to you in a a very, very timely manner. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves with importing is if you have a problem, how are you going to fix the problem? I mean, you know, you call your manufacturer in China and say, hey, these parts that you sent me are trash. We can't use them okay, good luck. You know, they're not going to stand behind their product, but if we make you something, I mean, I promise you, we strive to be perfect, but we're going to make mistakes. And if you call us, we're going to fix it and we're going to do it quickly. And we're going to answer the phone and stand behind what we do. So I think that's the biggest benefit that you have of, you know, bringing manufacturing back to the States and, you know, just utilizing domestic manufacturer. I mean, you get good quality, raw material, I would say 90% of the material we're bringing in is going to be domestic. And then, you know, we're getting DFAR's material. Um, So we're bringing in good metal and you're dealing directly with a manufacturer. You can come witness and watch us. We can do first articles. Um, So it's just, I think, much easier to get a a good bolt in your hands when you're, you know, manufacturing parts here in the States.
4: Well, those points are all well taken. But... Do you see or do you sense that these customers who are looking for parts because they're stymied by the current situation with the supply chain, are they shifting their mindset and saying, we're going to have to look for suppliers domestically now? I mean, is, is that a trend that you're experiencing? And if so, to what extent?
9: You know, I think in our world, I mean, oil and gas, I think, is a little different. Um, I mean, we do see the inquiries. because. Honestly, Eric, we're set up to be, we're a job shop and, you know, our game is to turn parts around quick, uh, but we still see the parts. We still still see people coming into us um, every day for inquiries on, you know, we got one this morning. It was like someone wanted 2.7 million stainless hex cap screws um, nice and they wanted it to be domestic. So those are the type <laughs> of things. I mean, that's something that I would say 10 years ago, you're importing that every time, right? So I think people are definitely looking into uh domestic manufacturers.
8: I think I think everybody for the last 10 or 15 or 20 years certainly before COVID uh domestic manufacturers, you know, with that offshoring phenomenon that you talked about, you know, you know everybody is very drunk on the margins that existed with import product, you know, you could get very inexpensive product uh from overseas and uh it was relatively easy and and that market developed over there very quickly. And a lot of the equipment was shipped over there and you saw a lot of the major manufacturers doing it. Um, I mean, you can easily see from import records, the, just the thousands and thousands of uh, kilograms of, of material that's shipped over from one manufacturer on a monthly basis. And, uh, you know, people get very addicted to that. So, you know, over time, that's, that that phenomenon has been going on for what, for 20 years or so. And, uh, you know, the domestic manufacturing has subsided. I mean, obviously you don't need the, the equipment and the people if you're able to import it that easily. And, you know, since COVID started, since uh, a lot of the tariffs have been in place, um, obviously, it hasn't been as advantageous, but I still think you find yourself in that position to where people are reluctant to add the equipment and the mat- and the people uh, back to domestic manufacturing. Uh, they're still just weathering the tariffs and weathering the storm in hopes that, uh, you know, eventually they still have their supply chains in place and that it'll just magically become profitable again one day. So I think there is this mentality that exists where, um, you know, that they're just accepting lower margins at this point and waiting for the storm to pass. But, you know, from our standpoint, we never were that in that uh, space and uh, we're not, we're not going towards that space at all. We're just uh, focusing on domestic manufacturing. So the fact that people aren't investing in it as much is still continuing to benefit us because we're still, you know, getting domestic material. We're getting, um, you know, we're staying away from the imports and uh, just manufacturing locally. And there's still a very high demand for that, not just from a monetary standpoint, but, you know, people want a domestic made product and they want the, uh, the the material and the manufacturer to be of USA origin. And, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of people out there filling that void. So we're going to take advantage of it as long as we can. (laughs) Okay. Well,
4: that's the perspective that you have and uh, it's valuable to hear that. So then speak to what you see in that oil and gas market right now down there in Texas. I mean, that's something that a lot of people have been watching for years. It goes up, it goes down. Where does it sit now? You know, I think it is still strong. Um, I think you know the price of oil is
9: is stabilized. And I think the demand for oil is you know obviously there. So we've seen just an incredible amount of demand. Um, you know, I think during COVID too, a lot of these end users, um, owner operators, just ran their plants and a whole lot, of, not a lot of maintenance was done. And then once everything came back, it was just the demand was out out of this world. So they were running harder than they've ever ran and you know, just pulling more oil out of the ground and, you know, transferring it. And so you just, you didn't see the the routine maintenance being done like normal. And I think we've really benefited from that for the, in the last year. And just from what I'm hearing on the streets, that's just going to continue. You know, you're, you're hearing some of the biggest um, refineries in the world and chemical plants having um, some of their biggest turnarounds ever so, you know, when you're stopping something, you're going to rip a rip apart equipment that you've been running hard. And once you rip a, apart that equipment, there's going to be some big bolts in there. There's going to be some gaskets and equipment and, you know, you got to turn stuff around fast. So I think just that demand for I see the next couple of years is going to be very strong. Obviously, there's some variables there, but, you know, if everything just keeps going as is, I think it's going to be a very, very good for everybody.
4: Wow, that's really interesting. So, from the world as you see it, everybody's still in catch-up mode in that market. I think so. I mean, I really do. Just because they run so hard, I mean, they're making.
9: You know, oil companies are making a lot of money right now. Um, They're taking full advantage of not stopping their plants for turnarounds, um, for shutting down and and fixing some stuff. So, I think you've kind of seen that too. You've seen some situations where you know, unfortunate situations where you have some fires or, you know, some small explosions and some of these plants are, are feeling it just because they're not doing that maintenance. Yeah. The ones that still survive are
4: needing the maintenance.
9: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you heard Garyville, one of the biggest plants, um, Marathon, one of the biggest plants in the country. Uh, they just had a big tank fire, you know, a couple of weeks ago. There's been some situations down here uh, in, in Houston. And I mean, it's it's
4: going to happen when you don't do maintenance, there's going to be situations like that. Well, that's a good plausible explanation for it. I'm glad you actually said that because I was starting to wonder, you know, the way that the food processing plants are going up in flames these days, you never know.
9: (laughs) And there might be something else to it, but I mean, you know, um, you know, they're like fertilizer plants. I mean, I know fertilizers, it's a huge, huge demand right now for that. And, you know, there's a lot of fertilizer plants, I think, because Russia holds a lot over there. And so there's a big strong demand for domestic fertilizers and, you know, they're, they're blowing and going as well, so you know that's that's going to be, I think, continued for the next couple of years.
4: Yeah, that's a huge subject to get into, right there, boy. Wow. Well, so let me wind back to your podcast. Is this the kind of stuff that you talk about on bolts and hose, or uh, how do you come up with your topics for that, <laughs> Bryce?
9: I I think we um, we drink a couple beers at the brewery and we say what are we going to talk about today and we throw some out there. I we've had a couple guests on which has been more of a planned situation, Um, but then everything else is just you know I hate to
8: you know crack the door open here, but it's just we fly by the seat of our pants. There's a lot of spontaneity around that as well. So there's, uh, you know, Bryce and I sit down about lunchtime after a pretty busy Friday, typically, and we say, hey, what do we want to talk about today? So typically we'll go out to the shop and grab a couple of parts and uh, we'll go over the uh, some of the interesting parts that we've got out in the shop. But then we can always come up with some technical, uh, you know, topic that exists It's very common for us to just pick something that's randomly come up with a customer that day or that week and say, Hey, let's talk about this. Because obviously, if one person is looking for that answer, you know, that uh, then there's probably a need for it and other people would benefit from it. So we're never short of content, I don't think. So you always produce these on Friday afternoons. Is that right?
9: Typically, I think that's the most common day. I mean, sometimes if one of us is out on a Friday, we'll try to shoot on a Thursday. But, you know, I think that's um, the most common day we shoot the, shoot the bolts and hose,
8: And there is a tendency to drink a beer while we're doing this. So, uh, you know, Friday seems to be the most appropriate day. Yeah, okay. I, I was wondering the connection because the ones that I scanned, you know,
4: had a beer in every one.
9: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the theme is um, we do it at a brewery, so we're not going to go over to the brewery and not drink their beer.
4: I get it. No, I, I'm r- I'm right on board with you. I think, I think some people in the audience are maybe going to get a few ideas too. I mean, have you ever had a featured episode where you talked about old rusty bolt by any chance
9: you know chris did have we did do that episode we talked about um
8: not the old rusty bolt but the old rusty old nut. rusty bolt beer old rusty bolt beer bryce is that what oh, you're that talking was, about
4: that, yeah right well i know you're working with marty Nolan. yeah i he, forgot he, marty
9: did uh, tell uh, us about the yeah. old rusty bolt beer
8: we should feature that. I think we need we need to get Marty to send us a six pack, and we could feature that on on the podcast. I think that's a great plan.
4: Oh, I'm sensing guest appearance here.
8: I think so.
9: <laughs> that is a good point. We need to have Marty on, and that's one thing with all of your listeners. I mean, I we can you know cross pollinate here a little bit. I mean, we're always open to you know talking. We could have you on, Eric, and we can you know any of your your listeners. They can always reach out, and we like to just talk talk fasteners and. Talk the market
7: and, talk and really, shop. you
8: know, we're not selfish on the thing either. We're we're yeah. about promoting other people's businesses, and uh, you know, if somebody wants to get on and talk about and and uh, talk about their wares, we're more than happy to help them promote their own stuff. So we're uh, very open to that. That's yeah, the only way
4: to go. So you're going to be in Vegas at the International Fastener Expo coming up in uh, October, right around the corner, and you'll be exhibiting. And this is what your second year, third year
9: third year and we're very
4: excited i mean i'm
9: i'm hearing a lot of good things about vegas this year so um yeah our third year the first year we did it i think there was a little bit of a lull because of covid you know i don't think uh there was quite the attendance as it normally had but for us no, it was no, great it was a tough show we were the new kids on the block so nobody knew us since so we had a really really good show the first year even though it was down in attendance so um you know, we realize the value that it brings, and the next year it was a little bit better, and so we're thinking this year it's going to be even better. And we got a really good spot. We got a bigger booth this year. We got a twenty by twenty. Um, I think we're right next to Lindstrom and Brighton, uh, so I think we'll have a lot of traffic and be able to show off some cool parts. Wow! Right to the head of the class. That's that's
4: impressive. Yeah,
8: we're excited. There's discussion about having a uh, a live Bolton hose episode uh, filmed at that location as well. So we're we're trying to put that together, Eric. Okay, so th- this is going to be set up on the fly then. That's the
4: guest appearance <laughs> episode right there. That's where we're going to meet, and that's what's going to happen
8: if it's uh, cool yes. with you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive. We would love it. Yeah, <laughs> we would love it. And I think they will have old Rusty Bolt beer there, right? I th- I'm sure they will. Somebody will have it.
4: I mentioned earlier in the podcast, actually, I ran into Tony Martinez of Buckeye Fasteners at the, where was it? Oh, it was at the MWFA last month, and he was thrilled because he had just gotten approval and put the order in. So the answer is, yeah, they're going to have kegs of Old Rusty on the floor at IFE this year after a short absence. So uh, you're going to see the following that Old Rusty has, and you're gonna you're going to get on this wagon, boys. I like there's it. <laughs> an ep- there's an episode coming together as we speak. Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, uh, you know, we've been talking now for a few minutes and we haven't even mentioned where people can go to get your podcast. I caught it on YouTube. Is that the main platform
8: or how are you how are you pushing it out? No, YouTube is where we have it posted and then we'll cross post it on on social media like LinkedIn. But uh, yeah, it is hosted on YouTube and I think you can just go to YouTube and just type in Patriot Bolt and that's the name of the channel that it's on.
9: And I think over time, I mean, you know, we have so many followers right now, it's um, they can all find it. But I think in, in due time, we're going to put it on probably, you know, podcasts on iTunes and our, uh, our marketing manager is working on that. So there will probably be more places you can find it. But as of right now, YouTube is the spot.
4: Uh, it's good to have people, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> I
9: wouldn't know how to put a podcast online, I'll tell you.
4: Well, who's doing the production for you? You've got a little bit of post-production on that thing. And you even have your own uh, uh, proprietary theme song, I noticed. I don't know if it's <laughs> proprietary.
9: <laughs> um, yeah, Chris is the man. Chris, uh, he's kind of a tech geek. You tell him we're going to do a podcast, he's going to run out and buy 18 new microphones and two more (laughs) webcams, and his office is full of Best Buy
8: products. I am a platinum member of Best Buy, yeah. So every podcast uh, widget and gadget that you can buy, I think we own. So. Most of them don't work, though, as you can tell from the quality of the podcast.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you, I have a soft spot in my heart for just starting out because I'm almost, uh, we'll put it this way, I don't go back and listen to our early episodes too often. I learned a lot over the years, and I think it's at a decent level now, but man, it came from meager beginnings, boys. So, Eric, how long have you been doing this? I think we're in the 13th year. 13th year. Do you know how many episodes you have? Well, we're, this is 192 we're working on right now, and then we have a handful of special reports. In the early years, we started by doing two a month, and we just realized it was overkill for what we were trying to do. Sure. And uh, so we're monthly now; is is basically our our published schedule. Nice. It's well done.
8: Well, we're still once a week right now, Eric. So, um, you know, we may catch you in in a year or so, maybe. Well there's a lot of ways to look at it, a lot of ways you could go and it depends
4: on what your focus is. But uh yeah, you'll you'll take it where it needs to go. Now uh as long as we're talking sort of inside baseball on the whole podcasting side of it, did you happen to catch Billy Duren over there at Threaded Fasteners? He just launched a podcast. We had him on a few episodes back also. I mean uh He's doing a little bit of a different thing. He's doing a leadership-oriented podcast. It's called The Nuts and Bolts of Leadership. Very well
8: put together. Audio only, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I haven't seen that. We'll, we'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, you know, always interested to get some ideas and stuff too, so it'll be interesting to check that one out.
4: Yeah, he was on a couple episodes back. You can scroll down on the Fully Threaded page and really cool guy. He'll be in Vegas for sure too, so I hope you get a chance to meet him.
9: You know, that is that is one thing that, you know, you brought it up earlier. We don't have a mm-hmm. whole lot of fastener background. We jumped into it and, you know, it's just, it's amazing the community that um, that you guys have and, you know, we're trying to be a part of um, the fastener world, man. You guys are very connected and it's awesome to see, you know, just the, the variety of people and businesses out there and. Um, you know, how much you've marketed and networked yourselves over the years.
4: Yeah, it's definitely a unique industry in that regard. And we hear it quite a bit. And, um, I think you're on the right path to getting a toehold in it, uh, Also hanging out with guys like Don Shan.
9: (laughs) Yeah. No, you can tell Don's a legend, man. I mean, he just has that persona about him.
4: That's right. And uh, so, you know, we've been talking here for half hour. We're going to roll out pretty quick. And I um, didn't want to wrap up without bringing to your attention something that I caught. I think it might have been on episode 20. You guys apparently were traveling either with Marty or Don, maybe both. You came up to Ohio and uh, you had a comment. I'd just like to... uh, to ask you about if you don't mind
9: yeah bring it bring,
8: bring it, it, on. it on come on
4: yeah uh you know and I'm, I'm a big fan of texas don't forget you haven't met brian musker he's the normal co-host of fully threaded and his moniker is lifetime honorary texan so you know our hearts down there but sir sure. you guys happen to say this about ohio
9: you know it's just cool you travel around and i've never really been to where we went and it's just a cool beautiful area
8: Beautiful. Yeah. You don't think of Ohio like that. The rolling hills. It looked a lot like Texas Hill Country, but a lot cooler and a lot more green. Yeah. Nice rivers and water. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. You don't think of Ohio all the time when you think of nice places, but it's great. (laughs) Well, here we go. (laughs) I'm being called out now. Is that it? Come
4: on. (laughs) Now I know you a little bit better, guys, but, uh, you know, when I first saw that, you know, I'm like, well, do I want to go through with this? With this discussion, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think
9: you think of Ohio. I mean, I'm I'm from Illinois originally. I was born and raised, so I'm a Midwest kid. Even coming from Illinois, I, I just always pictured Ohio as you know. You think of Toledo and Cleveland, and you just that just Rust Belt. And man, it was I was blown away of just the beauty and the hills and the greenery, and it was just a very very cool place.
8: Yeah, I think there's this there's this rivalry too between Texas and and Ohio when it comes to football, right? So I I you know I'm I'm sixth generation Texan, so I go way back, and I I would blame that comment on just the exposure that I've had with Ohio. I just I don't think that uh, you guys market yourself as well as you should. That's a
4: fair comment, Chris. <laughs> I'll ta- I'll accept that. I'll accept that for sure. And that was said like a true Texophile, and. Uh, it's all it's all cool, but I, I just couldn't let that pass after I heard it. You know, all the things to dip into in one of your podcasts. You know, Zoom—that's what I hit.
8: <laughs> yeah, yep. I think I think there's there's probably a opportunity to maybe retire there one day or something. But it was definitely beautiful. You know, we're coming as well from uh, Texas or Houston to be specific, and we had had I don't know how many days of a hundred degrees plus. And uh, to go up to Ohio and experience 70, uh, you know, 75 degrees in the middle of the summer is uh, really refreshing. I mean, it's uh, it can really take the life out of you down here at, by the end of the summer. Um, but being up in Ohio, it really reminded you that there is another way to live. <laughs> All right. Well, you're forgiven
4: and I agree entirely. I'm a Chicago <laughs> transplant now living in semi-rural Northeast Ohio and it's the water's fine. Put it that way.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Beautiful. And it was a fine thing to talk to you guys today. I'm impressed with your podcast. You're having a lot of fun and great to meet you guys and look forward to seeing you out in Vegas. Thanks, Eric. Look forward to, to meeting you out there, man. Thanks for your time, brother chris and bryce are the hosts of the bolts and hose podcast that's a new thing i've got all kinds of ideas to talk about with these guys next time and uh hopefully (laughs) they feel the same way so thanks for being here guys and uh we'll catch you down there huh sounds good
3: BBI is your one-stop source for special per-print and hard-to-find items. Contact us for information about short-run parts, per-print, and part modification, including sourcing and rework items. BBI customers are now able to receive instant quotes directly for secondary processing. Visit BBI's Quotation Manager today at BrightonBest.com. Tested, tried, and true. We are Brighton best International. To learn more about BrightonBest, visit us at www.brightonbest.com.
8: At Worth Industry North America, we know that in today's world, you need a supply
11: chain partner that you can depend on. We provide the products you need to keep your business moving.
4: Data-driven inventory management solutions, industry-leading technology, and the global stability of the Worth Group, combined with an unrelenting commitment to local partnership. Discover superior supply chain security at www.worthindustry.com.
7: Stainless Stand here, coming to you from Star Stainless. Star quality is more than products, just the way Wayne wanted it to be. It's simple. We're Star.
11: Hey, boys and girls, it's Craig Pendlin with Eurolink Fastener Supply Service, and you are listening
7: to Fully Threaded Radio.
4: Enjoyed that conversation with Chris and Bryce of the Bolts and Hose podcast. Give them a thumbs up out there on YouTube. Sure was great to meet those guys. And we'll see them out in Vegas. Hope to see you out there. Brian said to make sure you stop by and hit them up for some Vegemite when we're out there. (laughs) Whether you're going to do that or not, please do stop by Booth 1066. FCH will be there. And it's right around the corner. Wow. October 9th through the 11th, Mandalay Bay. Be there. And winding this episode of Fully Threaded Radio up, let's thank all the guests on today's podcast. They were Don the Amazing Shan. He's got more S-issues, folks, but help him out at Fastener Solutions. (laughs) Charlie Kerr of Kerr Lakeside. Mr. Michael Knight of Endries joined McNulty on the Fastener News Report today. Good job covering that uptick in the FDI, gentlemen. Carmen Vertulo and George Munoz. Double teamed the Fastener Training Minute today. And Chris Kolb and Bryce Oliveira of Patriot Bolt and the Bolts and Hose Podcast. What a lineup. What an episode. Thanks for being here, everyone. The title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Brighton Best International. Tested, tried, true. Brighton Best. Gobel Fasteners. Quality the first time. Go Gobel. And Star Stainless. Right off the shelf, it's Star. Fully Threaded Radio is also sponsored by Buckeye Fasteners, BTM Manufacturing, Eurolink Fastener Supply Service, Fastener Technology International, InSQL Software, Jaylan Franco, Parker Fasteners, Solution Industries, 3Q Inc., Volt Industrial Plastics, The International Fastener Expo, and Worth Industry North America. Don't forget, folks, Worth is also doing wonderful things for the Fastener Training Institute. When you see them out in Vegas, let them know you really appreciate that. And we appreciate you listening to every episode of the podcast. It really does mean a lot. Let us know what you think, if you have ideas, questions, and so forth. If you want Lynn to maybe pack some extra special crackers for you when you have your Vegemite (laughs) out there in Vegas. The email address is FTR at FullyThreaded.com. Fire away. Closing the podcast today is a difficult thing because we've got some bad news. Since the launch of this podcast, we've gone through a lot together. Some good times, some bad times. We're mostly talking about business, but let's face it, there's always an undercurrent of personal relationships and friendships. That are so important in this industry. Maybe even more than some other industries. But the fastener industry lost a legend recently. And I'm speaking of Mark Strangquist. Real sad news when we got this. Hit a lot of folks hard. It would be hard to overstate the impact that Mark had on the lives and careers of so many people. And that's inside the fastener industry and in his life. He was generous with his time, he was loyal to his friends, and he was approachable. You know, he had no trouble relating to people at all levels. I think that's one of the reasons that he had so many friends and followers. But he was also a hard-driving guy, and he looked for excellence in those around him. He could see the big picture and mobilize people to do what it takes to go for it. He was a sales guy at heart but he worked his way to the top of the game and he played it like a champ. He took hits along the way, but he kept going, he kept growing, and he kept smiling through it all. You know, for my part, I had the good fortune of connecting with Mark through our mutual love of the outdoors and fishing and musky fishing in particular. And lots of people have heard about his legendary annual fishing tournaments. Matter of fact, he called them During the Wisconsin years of that tournament, the Legends of Boulder Junction. I can't tell you how many hats and t-shirts and fleeces and things I have with that logo embroidered on them. (laughs) He and Vonda were always so good with that. This was held up in northern Wisconsin at his fishing camp. He called it a fishing camp. It was more like a compound. It was an amazing place. Guys had come in from all over the country. He had some worth guys from Europe there, several years. And it would be a few days just to kick back and talk fishing. Very little business talk, really, if any, went on during those tournaments. And they weren't really tournaments either. They were fishing trips where old friends and new friends would get together and enjoy the scenery and the activity. And it was just a wonderful thing during those few years that I was blessed to be part of it. Give you one example of how they went all out to make it just a fantastic, unbelievable experience. There'd always be a group of us out on Mark's Lake. We'd disperse across several lakes during the various days, but when you'd be out on Mark's Lake, at some point during the morning, you'd see a pontoon boat coming across the water, and it'd be Vonda. And she would dock up next to your boat while you'd be out there on the water. And she'd have hot coffee and cinnamon rolls for you. (laughs) I mean, where in the Northwoods does that ever happen? Nowhere. But it was great. I mean, you felt like you were really getting concierge service. And she really knew how to take care of the crew and seemed to really enjoy doing it. Mark and Vonda, just fantastic hosts. And everyone appreciated it. Everyone worked together and had a good time. And you could tell the whole time Mark was just loving it. This is what he really loved to do. And years before I ever came into that group, you know, they were doing this in much more modest ways down in southern Illinois, as I understand it. I think they were actually just channel catfishing. So I only got a taste of the later years of all that, but you could tell. These guys had fished and hunted together for years, some of them, and a lot of memories were made during those events. I know a lot of you are real big golfers and you have other things that you do and you bond together, but I'll tell you, when you sit together with a guy for 8, 10, 12 hours in a boat, go through a few things, overcome some challenges... <laughs> maybe losing a $40 rig in the rocks. That's happened a few times. You really see how a guy reacts to little setbacks. says a lot, and you grow a lot. I just feel so fortunate that I had the chance to get to know Mark that way, and many of you, it's clear, had similar opportunities, maybe not in the same way, but that was my special way, and I feel very fortunate for it. Mark helped the podcast quite a bit. I looked back and it was something north of 20 appearances he made. A lot of times that was connected with his FDI analysis. And Every month, whether he was on the podcast or not, he'd always shoot me a comment about the latest numbers. He was always involved with that, always very generous with his observations and insights. I'll miss that a lot. I thought a good way to really salute Mark was To go back in the archives and in particular I found one from October of 2020 this was when he'd moved over to Annixter, and he was setting up over there and he was reflecting on his kidney transplant a lot of you knew he did not hide that he shared that openly with people and knowing him as he went into that and through it and then afterwards it was very obvious what a courageous and good-natured person he is because he endured it and he thrived. And I think his comments here are inspirational for anyone to listen to. So we'll close with that today in salute a rural friend. For Brian Musker, this is Eric Dudas. I think Mark would agree you should get out there and sell some screws. We'll talk to you soon.
12: One of the initiatives is we're going to consolidate everybody into one building. And so we have space in the Wooddale facility to do so, believe it or not. It's going through construction right now. Uh, So we're completely revamping a section of the office part so that we can fit everybody in there. And now we're going to be one team. There's no more silos. There's no more corporate. I always hated the ivory palace. A mentality, meaning, you know, you you have corporate uh, up in the ivory palace and they're not really connected to the revenue generating locations. And so there's always, you know, this thing about being out of touch and that, you know, being better than others. And I don't tolerate. You're,
4: You're not an ivory tower kind of guy, Mark.
12: I'm not. That, maybe that's bad, I don't know, but i don't I'm not, i i uh i uh I'm a simple fellow that grew up in Illinois and the Midwest and uh I'm not into that, so we're gonna put everybody in one building, so you know now you know if someone wants to talk to someone, we don't shoot an email and hope that we get an answer, you can just get up from your desk, walk over, and talk to the other person and and you know you'd be able to do the fun stuff where you know i mean and it sounds stupid, but whether it's you know, like one thing we did over at Wooddale was we had kind of a, a cookout thing on a Friday. Even in the COVID environment, we followed all the right precautions. But everybody wore their Chicago Cub outfit, right? And uh, I even went out nice. and uh, I went and bought a Chicago Cub hat. Because <laughs> I really wasn't a Cub fan necessarily. But, I thought, <laughs> you know, I, I did what I could to blend in. And, and, uh, and you know, now, and would we'll be able to do that more as a group now. And even silly things like an ugly sweater day or Christmas celebrations. I mean, we'll be one team, you know. Uh, within the corporate structure and all the leadership. And then, of course, we we always have our branches and we're scattered all over the globe. But, you know, these are the types of things that I think are important culturally uh, that would separate us as I don't want to be a, a corporate-centric type of a company. You know, I don't believe in that. I mean, corporate is here to support anybody that's generating revenue, the plants, the branches, the people out in the field that do the real work. I expect corporate, you know, they're not here to support corporate. We're here to support them. And that's one thing that I insist on is, you know, we're not uh, corporate centric, that all we do is say, what else do you need? What else do you need? What resources can we provide? How do we make your life easier? That's the mentality and the culture I want out of leadership. uh, And that's the type of stuff we're doing. So I'm really happy. Sometime around the Christmas holidays, we hope to move in and get out of this building and save some money and then uh, and then get the tremendous benefit culturally.
4: Right. So you're aware of the bottom line, but you're also culturally aware as well. Well, that's really interesting, Mark. And uh, of course, we'll all be watching to see how you roll this out. I'm guessing that uh, increased revenues are in your future. (laughs) You've know, you said a lot about your personal style here. I wanted to give you the chance also to discuss something that we touched on in an earlier episode of Fully Threaded Radio. This is going back a little ways now, but Recently, you overcame a personal challenge in your life, and that's led you to this point. And it's a big part of who you are and how you approach things. Would you care to update everyone on that?
12: Well, I believe you're referencing, yeah. I had, uh, several years ago, I got a kidney disease that uh, basically uh, was unable to get fixed in time. And so I ended up having to have a kidney transplant. And so uh, I've had the good fortune of recovering nicely and, and uh, um, certainly not, uh, you know, damaging uh, my uh, perspective on life and, and uh, makes you put more value to it. But yeah, I've been very fortunate to overcome that. It was a difficult time and uh, going through that process and going through the after effects and, you know, the side effects you get from anti, you know, I'm on, I'm a high risk guy. So in this COVID environment, I have to be careful about travel, Um, you know, being a high risk guy. And uh, because I'm on anti-rejection drugs, which I'll be on, you know, the rest of my life in terms of protecting me from rejection of the new kidney and all that. So, you know, so I appreciate you, you talk, you know, bringing that up, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the rebound and the ability to continue on and not just Feel sorry for myself and you know go uh, hide in my house and, and not do anything. I you know this that's why this job is so perfect for me and I'm very pleased and and I appreciate uh, American Industrial Products. Uh, they're the ones that own Optimus and they've just been phenomenal in support for this year and uh, you know and what I do. So I just I love what I'm doing and and I'm not using um, that issue as something that holds me back. And uh, hopefully I'm a good example of life after transplant. And, uh, and that and what you can accomplish and do, uh, after dealing with some type of difficult situation like that.